friends and welcome to episode number 128 of final boss tv your wild game ready show i'm your host my name is adam k aka bay and today's show is protection warriors so next week should be the exorcist world first interview and then a sunday or two after that will be the lost codex interview with the boys behind the lost codex youtube and then the next spec show will be, I don't know, it'll be something. We'll figure it out when we get there, okay? Just just hold your horses. But real quick, I want to make sure that I shout out the assistant producers of the show. Truffles, Ludovicus, and Tazelin, and all the others that have been supporting the show recently and the growing support on the Patreon page. I want to plug this at the beginning of the show to make sure no one forgets about it. There are new podcasts essentially there are bts podcasts that are recorded with the guests sort of before these shows start now that are only available to patrons of the show if you'd like more show then it exists details of course on the patreon page and the uh, one for episode 128 will go up like today they're about, all about an hour long it's us setting up the show meeting the guests for the first time talking to that stuff and things but today's guests are and those that you can hear more about on the the behind the scenes podcasts. Here's a guy that name is not spelt the way it's said, which is fine. <laughs> Maroc, welcome to the show, sir. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Are you ready to talk about Protection Warrior? Yes, I am. Are you sure? I'm excited. Yeah? I'm sure. Absolutely sure. Yes. I'm, I'm going to save your little blippy point here and why this as chad is seeing the picture of your warrior and this helmet is so iconic for you we'll save that for a little bit let's introduce macro first who's over here hi macro welcome to the show hi thank you for having me are you, are you ready to also talk about protection warrior well i hope so i mean you know it'd be a little bit awkward if i wasn't so uh, i think i think i'll be all right you think you'll be all right? I mean, right now yeah. you're kind of cheating on the class, though. It's just... Uh... <laughs> it is true that I'm not actually maining a warrior right now, but uh, I assure you it's nothing to do with my feelings towards warriors. Uh, I decided to main a druid before. We all knew that they were horrendously overpowered this expansion, so that's how it is. That's very true. And we'll get into more of that, of course, later, but both of these gentlemen are responsible for quite a bit of the work that goes through on the Discord side and the guide writing and all that good stuff. So, now, it's story time. Maroc, first off, tell us about the whole helmet thing with you, and uh, and then why should anyone listen to what you have to say about Protection Warrior? What do you do in the community, sir? So, the helmet thing, uh, I've had... This, this transmog is from like BR, it's the green heroic tier from BRF, and I've been using it for like two years now or whatever. And someone in Warrior Discord made an emote with my helmet with a bunch of question marks around it. And it's just like, I don't know, just it's my, it's my face now, I guess, for some <laughs> reason, is that helmet. You know, that, that's why you're not actually on camera right now, because you are just like, you have to take the helmet off to talk into your mic, because otherwise the helmet's always on in real life, right? Is that what? 
Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, you'll notice on, on the four camera, it's your helmet's off, but you're just yelling and screaming, so it's just, it's okay. Your little dwarf is <laughs> off. That it's sounds like... like him, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But then, yeah, and what do you do with, with uh, the Warrior community, then? So, I'm the owner of the Warrior Discord. I didn't make it, but I was given ownership about nine months ago. Okay. Um, so, I do, do that kind of stuff. Um, do a lot of theory crafting for prod with macro, um, stat priorities, rotations, stuff like that. Um, we both work on the guide that's posted on MMO Champion. Um, let's see what else is there. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. We just just do, you know, everything pro related, basically. So I have, and I'll be bringing up on the show as, as I go through here, that we do have, like, I'll reference the Icy Veins guide, which we found out, like, yesterday. There's still parts of it that aren't totally accurate there. So you would you say that to point people in the direction, I mean, all, I, I use it for, like, the tooltips and the pop-ups and whatever, um, right. to hover over stuff. But when you say that the, the MMO Champion Protection Warrior Guide right now is the one that's, like, the most up-to-date to, to yeah. point players towards yes i wouldn't recommend reading guys man's guide i mean it's not completely wrong there's some things that aren't accurate um but we have direct control basically over what goes in the mmo guide and i definitely recommend reading that one first sure that sounds fair i was gonna pull that up i don't think i have the the link to it anymore oh we'll find it so we'll go from there and then macro what about you what do you do in the same realm for the uh the prior community uh, so I am quite active uh, amongst other discords. Uh, Skyhold is one of the ones that I'm the most active in. Um, we do a lot of uh, theory crafting in terms of uh, optimal ways to play with certain talents, for example. Um, I write guides about um, how to do certain things and also uh, m maybe how, uh, which trinkets to use, that kind of thing. Um, quick shout out to my guild, Azus, who uh, just killed Spellblade and Luriel on Mythic, so good job, guys. Without you? Or with you? Without me. Oh! No. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I... not, I'm not raiding Mythic right now because of uh, real-life commitments, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, good job, guys. Very good. How about any shout-outs to, like, who... People always ask me about this, and this is the first, and as we'll get into the Sword and Board 101 here, that you're the first spec class show up that is for tanking in legion but i always get asked about simulation craft because i play a dps and simulation craft doesn't really work for tanking so is that just is that because it's, it's something that's more that they're like their breakpoints and stats or whatever or like how how would you suggest getting around that simcraft doesn't really work for for tanking do you guys have like figured out all that kind of stuff written again in the, in the MMO guide, um, and who, who figures that kind of stuff out? Simcraft so, does work for tanking. You just have to know how to use it. And it also depends on how well-supported your spec is. Um, so, for yeah. example, for Prot in particular, Collision, he does the majority of the work on the protection module for Simcraft. And okay. we've, I've been working closely with him to try to get all the bugs worked out. There were It was basically unusable um, up until a few weeks ago. Um, there's still some bugs left, but... Oh. It is usable, you know, for DPS purposes, you can just import your character and, you know, get waste from that if you wanted to. Um, Although it's important to recognize that the default APL is not optimized for DPS and you absolutely should use a, a custom one if you're trying to get DPS weights. Yeah, but it, for, you know, for finding like survivability stat weights, you can't just sim yourself. It's, you can do it, um, it's just really complicated and 
like not worth trying to figure out on your own pretty much. Well, I and guess the reason for oh. that is sorry. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. The reason for that is because if you're simming for DPS, then sure. when you sim is A or B better for DPS, you get DPS as a result, and it and you look at which one's higher. But for survivability, you don't get a survivability result. You get things like damage taken per second and TMI, which, uh, as many people watching will know, is um, a metric designed to show you how spiky your health is. But obviously, both of those things are important for survivability, and combining the two is an arduous and imprecise process. And you can't just put uh, put things into SimCraft and get a number as a result for um, survivability. And that's why we recommend that people don't use simulators for survivability. Yep. Mm. Okay. Well, I guess it was brought up in, in chat. I think we went over this sort of in the setup for the show. I think you have a note about it. Um, is like Greyhound says that I heard simulation craft doesn't work for tanks as we just went over. Please don't read anything that Greyhound says. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, just trolling us. But but Aspenster Robot is also another possibility. Does that work? It it works in the <laughs> sense that it will sim your character and like do mm -hmm. your rotation. However, the the metric that they give um, for tank survivability called NPS isn't very accurate and i wouldn't recommend using it for that purpose okay um I'm, i mean the i'm sure the simulator works uh oh i mean if there are any bugs there are bugs that can be fixed and if there are any bugs i don't know about them um i'm sure that the simulator works in order to tell you what your nps is and then whether or not nps is a useful metric for survivability is obviously a matter of the debate as is dtps and tmi etc uh, i'd personally recommend that people don't use simulators uh, at least any that we currently have available for um, for survivability. Mm. What is what is because uh, I don't tank. What does NPS stand for? What is this new nonsense? Uh, Nopes per second. Oh, it's, yeah. it's basically like they're they're Asus robot stop press behind that was like if you know if you're if you're reducing damage, it's it's a nope. So they measure it in nopes per second. Hmm. It's definitely an interesting idea, and I do think it has some advantages over uh, existing metrics. But um, on the whole, I, I don't think it's necessarily a, a good way of getting, uh, for example, stat weights for survivability. I don't, I don't think I'd recommend using that. Okay. Well, this leads into like the Sword and Board 101, your general thoughts and feelings about protection warriors, and then I guess tanking right now in Legion. So I want to open up with that to sort of set the playing field here for what you guys think of just tank balance right now overall in the game so i mean what are your thoughts so far i mean we know that that macro is at least playing guardian right now and then prot warrior and then Morocco's only playing prot warrior but i, I imagine no tank only plays and has one tank right not no, everyone has not. all not, of them not, not, not high level is. right 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 but i mean what do you think i don't know Morocco. what do you think so far of like the tanking balance like who's your co-tank like how how does that work out for for you, are there any specific like outliers or issues right now, other than brewmasters and guardians being wicked overpowered still? But what do you what do you think? Well, there's no there's no tank right now that you just can't play. Um, none of them are that bad. Obviously, there are some that are stronger than others, like Baron Brewmaster. They're definitely far and away the best tanks right now. Um, Prod is in a good place currently. We're we're pretty strong. Um, we do good damage. Have good survivability. Um, you know, better than DKs and DHs, but worse than 
monks and bears. But you know, overall tank balance, I feel like it's just been getting better. This tier in particular, maybe it's it's not that great just because of how you know the disparity between the top tanks and the bottom end tanks. But again, it's, there's nothing that you just can't play because it's so bad. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, I would say that I think that tank balance right now is not great. Um, it's definitely been better in the past, but it's certainly not as bad as it has been sometimes in the past. Um, I would say that uh, it's absolutely the case that if you're dying on progression, it's not because of your class, it's because you're doing something wrong or because somebody else in your raid is doing something wrong or both. Mm -hmm. um, however, that said, there are certainly tanks where it will be easier to survive on one class rather than another. So, for example, uh, on a Brewmaster Monk or a Guardian Druid, you'll probably have an easier time of it than on, for example, a Blood Death Knight. Um, I think that Prot Warrior is probably somewhere in the middle with regard to that in particular. However, if you're playing well, then really nothing should present an issue. Fair enough. There's, there's a weird back and forth, uh, and this gets kind of nitty-gritty, because take part of the reason why and so that chat sort of understands a little bit more, is that Guardian Druid and Brewmaster Monk, their, their way of tanking, right? Like Mark of Ursal and Iron Fur, like their preventative measures, like their normal rotational stuff, those are just like, those are totally outside of what, like a prot warrior, you have either, you can do damage, or you have to convert all your rage to surviving. Whereas Guardian and Brewmaster, they're both just on like charges and cooldowns, so that that becomes part um, of the of one of the issues that I think we, we, I've talked about before. But what? Yeah, go f go for it. So you're saying are you saying that Guardian and Brewmaster don't lose DPS for survivability? They don't have to compete with. I think that I was talking to my tank about this too, and Mass was in the notes, and I think he posted some stuff here too for it, but. The survivability aspects of Guardian and Brewmaster and why they've suddenly risen so high is because they don't have to compete with what they would normally do. Like, you, your brews are just on charges. And right. Um, like, I, I don't agree with that. Um, okay. So, uh, there's a particular uh, talent for Protection Warrior um, called Vengeance, which I'm sure we'll uh, get into in a bit more detail later, but... Uh, if you're taking Vengeance, which you almost certainly would be in all, in all situations when you mm -hmm. needed some survivability, um, that is allowing you to do your DPS rotation without losing any survivability. However, um, I don't think that what you said is necessarily the case for Brewmaster or Guardian, because um, although Guardian gets a very minor DPS increase from spending Rage on more rather than on Iron Fur and Markiversal, uh, it also gains significant DPS by doing something called Cat Weaving, which is a significant survivability loss in certain circumstances. Oh, sure, um, right, right. It, it also, uh, with Brewmaster, there are different rotations you can do to maximize your DPS, which are certainly... Um, significant survivability losses but of course if you've already got enough survivability it may be worth doing that anyway um but mm -hmm. i wouldn't say that that's necessarily true for prot warrior largely because of the vengeance sounds uh but it, obviously if you don't need survivability then vengeance is a waste and you could go with a different talent and then you could get even more dps fair enough yeah that's just like that's the counter to why everyone thinks that like everyone needs to play brewmaster or guardian right now so that's why i was bringing bringing that up and then of course the new kid on the block how are Vengeance Demon Hunters working out? I don't know if either of you have dabbled on them, 
but um, I, a lot of my stuff I do tanking with with uh, one of my subs. He plays Vengeance, which is it just seems fine. They definitely got some much needed buffs in 715 recently with the armor and the de and the demon spikes change. So that was helpful. But um, I don't know. What do you guys both think of of Vengeance? If you've dabbled in or tanked with a demon hunter before. I haven't played a Vengeance Demon Hunter, but my co-tank is currently a bear, and he had wanted to main swap to a Demon Hunter at some point. Um, I mean, they're they're fine, like they're not they're not terrible or anything. But you know, you look at a bear and you look at what a Vengeance Demon Hunter can do, and just bears just better in almost every way. But mm. again, they're they're fine. Like you can, if you want to play one, you can. So fair enough. And, and I think it's true that the ceiling in terms of what you can achieve for both is probably extremely close together. Perhaps Bear would be slightly stronger. Uh, however, if you're looking to get to a specific point rather than the best you possibly can get, um, and that specific point being good enough to kill the boss, um, you probably will get to that point with considerably less investment with Guardian Druid or Brewmaster Monk than with Avengers Demon Hunter. Mm. Yeah, and that's sort of the the other turnaround point too is that ha handling frenzied regen reactively and then mark of ursal or iron fur is quite a bit easier than timing soul carve or cleaves or also demon spike uptime and also doing your dps rotation and sigils and like there, there is a back and forth because I've done some tanking. My ult is a havoc demon hunter, so I've tanked a little bit on vengeance. Nothing like crazy, just flat mythics and whatnot. But it does seem like there are like overloads in vengeance's like kit, whereas other tanks are much. I mean, they've had more time to be developed, right? They're more streamlined. They have they have less bumps in the road to get to where you need to go to tank certain things. So it feels that that's what Mass said too about. He says he feels so like cruise control on his bear but on his warrior he feels like he has to juggle plates a lot more often which i guess is just how the tanks have shaken up so yeah i'd, I'd agree with that like if, if you if you fall behind you know as prod it's it can be hard to i guess catch back up you know in terms of mitigation so if you're not constantly pressing your buttons you're probably gonna die whereas bear that might not be true hmm so how about, that leads me into like the do's and don'ts. What would you say are like little nuggets you've picked up along your travels with with tanking so far in, in Legion? And it's kind of general overview kind of stuff. Like what are you, what would you say are huge things to denote for tanks? And then things like to not not do. What are your thumbs up Here's and thumbs downs? Yeah, go ahead. Something to note for a tank as opposed to other specs is you have to actually pay attention to what's going on. And... That's all you have to do, really, because unlike for a DPS spec where really you have to be, you know, in, in order, to, so you could DPS and you could be terrible at your class and you could be barely paying attention to what's going on and you'd do terrible DPS, but you wouldn't necessarily wipe the raid from that depending on whether or not your DPS was needed. Uh, obviously, in order to be a productive member of the raid, you'd want to be doing as best as you can and you need to be doing mm -hmm. um, as much DPS as you want to do. So you need to like watch your rotation. You need to make sure that you're playing properly um, for a tank. Honestly, you can get away with not doing that most of the time. And whilst it's not uh, ideal for your raid, obviously the ideal situation is that you're doing everything perfectly. Um, it's not ideal if you're screwing up your rotation, but you can probably get away with doing that 
um, and without causing raid wipes, even if uh, you know without being close to dying, as long as you're really on top of all the raid mechanics. Um, mm -hmm. Tanks sometimes die because they're doing their rotations terribly. Uh, usually, if they're doing their rotations terribly, the only real issues it gives you is threat issues, um, and even then, often not really. Um, however, the most important thing and the thing that kills tanks all the time is when they screw up boss mechanics, like they forget to taunt at the right time, or they do it or they do it wrong. They taunt the wrong time. They taunt three seconds too late because I don't know they were sitting on their hands and. Uh, the other tank dies and they wipe the raid and it's your fault because you weren't paying attention. And absolutely the number one thing to do as a tank is to pay attention. Fair enough. And at the same time, because the, the, the bar sort of definitely raises is that, that we'll get into more um, more of that on the next little point, but you have to make sure you're, you're not only contributing because tank DPS definitely doesn't matter, but then also mitigating properly, taunt swapping properly, boss movement or positioning if it's a movable boss, unlike, you know, one like Krosis that doesn't move or Star Augur, for example. But, I mean, there there are definitely a lot of little things that, that definitely make sense in there. What about you? What do you think, Morak? Um, I think macro covered the important thing. And, yeah. you know, just doing mechanics is the most important thing. Um, I... And I guess this is a little bit of a different topic, but in terms of what you can do to, you know, help you with tanking is getting a good um, add-on for nameplates, um, just so you can see, you know, what targets are out there and things like that. I see a lot of tanks not they have enemy nameplates turned off, and that's really dumb. You you need them, and they're really helpful. So I think having a good, just a good UI in general is actually extremely helpful when it comes to tanking. Hmm. Which is amusing because, as many people watching this will know, I have an awful UI. But, ah. uh, <laughs> as, okay. as long as it's functional. That's kind of counterproductive. So what you're saying is not SCO's UI. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> Poor Scott. God, he has... It's gotten better. But man, as long as I've known that boy, holy crap, his UI has always been just so cluttery and just stuff everywhere. But maybe it works for him. He's used to it, I guess. So that's fair. People want you to show it. <laughs> Macro's UI is awful. Nightmare UI indeed can confirm. <laughs> oh, God. Chad is all about this that's, right that's now. Fair. That's, that's fair. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's slightly better now, but it's pretty terrible. That's pretty good. Um, transitioning over to Mythic Plus, which is a huge point of, and, and part of the game right now. There's a little website that uh, I want to make sure you all are aware of. It's called mythicpl.us. So it's Mythic Plus, but it's just Mythic Plus with a dot before the U and the S. Um, that goes over all of the affixes and everything else. Goes over, you know, where everything falls. Of course, they'll updating with the new... Remember, in 7.2, we're getting new affixes and stuff like that. There's also all the different completion times, all the different loot eye levels, etc., etc. Useful stuff, add-ons. Weak auras, other stuff, all this on mythicpl.us. But I wanted to bring up, because last week was, man, next week is the best week for US. I can't wait. Sanguine Volcanic Fortified, sign me up. Um, but I wanted to ask what you thought, and I'll go over to Morocco first. Why you love, uh, what's it called? <laughs> uh, Necrotic so much. And uh, how, how what do you think about the Mythic Plus system for for tanks and how affixes change how you tackle each different dungeon anything you want to 
to denote 25th well, plus? Necrotic at when the expansion first came out, Necrotic was awful, and I would right. log on, do my ten, and then never touch Mythic Plus for the rest of the week just because I hated dealing with it. But now that DPS is so high, and you can just you know run through Mythic Dungeons so easily, Necrotic isn't that bad because by the time you know you need to kite or clear your stacks, everything's dead, so it's not really that big of a deal. Sure. Well, maybe that's true if you're running Mythic Plus fours like Morocco, but uh, oh, sometimes it can be. Uh... Uh, even no, even uh, like, even at high levels, like if you're running tens or twelves, it's not that bad. Not as bad as it used to be, of course. I, yeah, that's absolutely the case. Um, one thing that's made uh, Necrotic in particular considerably easier, uh, which came out recently, is the trinket Fang of Tychondrius from Tychondrius uh -huh. and the Nighthold. If you can manage to get a hold on one of those. Um, that makes Necrotic a joke compared to what it normally is, um, because leech healing is not reduced by Necrotic, unlike all other forms of healing. Um, and ah. that trinket allows you to have about 20% leech if you're a tank. It's, uh, I think it's half rate if you're not a tank. If you're a tank, it's about 20% leech, and um, at like one-fifth uptime, and it's pretty great. It's really strong. Um, it means that you can just keep tanking for an extra 12 seconds, not worrying about your debuff. Well, doesn't does Necrotic only reduce healing you receive, right? Not healing you do to yourself regardless? So yeah, that would be a uh, huge... No, it, it does affect um, healing that you do by oh, uh, like yourself, but oh. not leech. So, so it does affect, for example, Friends of Regeneration. It does affect Ignore Pain, because it also affects Absorbs. But it doesn't affect leech specifically. Wow, okay. So grab one of those. Because that was, as, as our gaming culture has evolved the word meme now means so many more things but that was the first when we first killed tychondrius on heroic during splits when it first came out we were like what is this trinket but it's funny how you bring that up to make sure that that people know is that it is really strong because you can pull a whole ton of mobs and then you pop the trinket to get all that leech and then you will obviously you'll be aoe or cleaving and whatnot and you gain all that healing to keep yourself alive and not worrying about your 20 30 40 stacks to a degree, don't go don't go too crazy on that. But well, actually, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Um, oh, can you go crazy? The dot itself does no damage. It does completely insignificant damage. It's never going to kill you. Um, okay. And the only thing is, once you're above thirty-three stacks, uh, you can't be healed by anything other than leech. So once sure. you're above thirty-three stacks, as long as you're not on like one hundred and fifty, the dot's damage is completely inconsequential, and I, I wouldn't worry about it at all. There's mm. below 33 stacks where the amount of healing reduction matters, and above 33 stacks, it's basically all the same. I see. But yeah, the, the word of the wise there is grab that trinket if you can, essentially. Absolutely. For, for, for necrotic weeks. Yeah. Really, really strong. Um, can I just uh, pick you up on something that uh, a couple of people in chat said sure. earlier? Did you say that tank DPS does matter, or that tank DPS doesn't matter? No, I said does matter. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Just it does. I, I think some people heard it as doesn't. No, do, does matter. Yeah. I mean, you can you can argue that depending on the encounter, the tank's mechanics and them surviving matters more than them doing damage. But when you add up you and your co-tank, you are essentially a 0. 0.5 or almost like a 0. 0.75 extra DPS in the course of the raid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that that's important, right? And then you add up your three yeah. or four healers, and they add up to be about one to one and a half DPS, depending on if you have a bunch of holy paladins that are going ham doing two hundred fifty k. So yeah, no, it all those your healers and your tanks from like a DPS standpoint, you have to add those together. But those make that you're you know DPSing a boss with 15, 16 DPS, not just the fourteen or whatever you're normally running with. So like that that it definitely matters. 
especially Mythic mm -hmm. Plus, for example. Tanks do so much damage in Mythic Plus, technically, because normally you're pulling like 8, 10, 12 mobs or whatever, depending on what the affixes are. So Guardian Druid pulls half of DHT and bleeds it all down with Thrash. So, yeah, it's totally worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely matters. Um, how about a bit of, bit of bants about uh, Nighthold? What do you guys think of the raid instance so far from what you've seen? Maroc's ahead of me in progression, so Maroc, I'll toss it over to you. It's better than EN. Oh, I'll give it that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, well, okay. No, but I like it. Strong I think it's a fun phrase. raid. There's there's no fight in particular that I just hate. I think all the fights are pretty fun. Um, it's a good raid, and tuning-wise, it's it's good, too. Um, Spellblade probably was a little bit overtuned for... You know the position in the raid that it was, but but it has overall, since been nerfed as well. Yeah, right, yeah, and it's been nerfed. Um, at first it was overtuned, but yeah, it's it's a good raid. I like it a lot. Fair enough. Um, I'd, I'd agree. I, th I think that it's uh, fairly tuned. Um, I don't think Spellblade necessarily needed a nerf. I think uh, obviously people can just go to three of the other bosses uh, first, um, and uh, I think it's fine uh, that it's difficult. Um, obviously, you've got some of the significantly easier bosses earlier on. Uh, like Scorperon, nobody really struggles with Scorperon. If you do, uh, should probably sit and have a think about that. Um, wow. When you've got, uh, you know, up to Trilliax, people normally don't struggle too much. Um, after that, then there's a step up in difficulty if you go to something other than Spellblade first. And then there's another step up when you get to Spellblade, although that may or may, or may not be the case now uh, after Spellblade has been nerfed. Um, I think it's fine because. You've got some easy bosses at the start, you've got some more difficult bosses in the middle, and then you've got significantly harder ones at the end. And I think that's a good thing when you've got a raid of 10 bosses. I think it's quite well done on difficulty. They definitely... And in oh, no, go ahead. And in terms of enjoyment of the raid, um, I think it's a really well-designed raid. There's lots of interesting mechanics, uh, more so for DPS, I think, than for tanks. But um, there have been worse tank fights in the game, at least nothing's Iron Reaver. Well, yeah, that's, oh, that's yeah. true. For for tanks, I think night tanks in particular, Nighthold is a little on the boring side, just in terms of mechanics. It's a lot of just taunt you know, this number of stacks or yeah, stand in this. Um, so it's not that interesting in that regard, but it's still fun. I still enjoy it. Yeah. And there's nothing that makes me like actively want to be benched for that particular fight, like on Iron Rigger in particular. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I I think from an outside looking in the best tank mechanic fight might be on Star Augur, because you interact with the room, at least. Like, you interact with your raiders, then you interact with the room. Like, it's totally on you to clear the fell, and it's totally on you to make sure you clear your, your frosty buffs like in three different groups, right? Like, that's that's pretty neat. Opposed to Croesus, which is just, yeah, stand in the circle and taunt swap at four. It is unique, but I would I have to say it's probably my least favorite fight in the raid. Really? Yeah, I I just don't I just don't enjoy the, the whole you know pull mechanic with the meteor and stuff like that. But it's not mm. bad. It's just I just don't find it particularly enjoyable. Interesting. I mean, our I know when we were Mass got lucky enough to have the shoulders, the heroic leap shoulders, so he actually just like bounces out and then bounces over and then bounces back to the boss with the debuffs now just on farm because it's just really really funny but um i don't know i thought that, that again as a dps looking at uh, it looks a lot more that it's something more to do than just taunt swap recursive strikes or you know taunt swap Krosis debuff or or whatnot but 
Sounds good to me. How about uh, actually getting into now for a few minutes, since we sort of like weave that in there, the actual topic of tank DPS. So I guess, is there like a hierarchy that you have seen in which tanks sort of like, who does the most damage? And then who does like the middle ground and who does the least? I think like blood decay might be a little bit, uh, but uh, what do you guys think for for like the tank damage point that right now we're seeing? Like, what do you see is like the top top damage to bottom damage, or or what have you seen from your your side macro? Well, I'm I'm not sure that uh, it's necessarily useful to discuss in the sense that um, people can always look at statistics on Warcraft logs if they like. Um, right. Obviously, there are uh, differences in uh, what's relevant. So, for example. Druid does significantly less DPS when it's not cat weaving, and lots of people don't cat weave on progress because they're lazy. Um, wow. <laughs> looking at the, uh, yeah, uh, certain people listening know who they are. Um, I would say that Prot Warrior, which is obviously the thing that we're here to talk about, um, Prot Warrior does very good damage right now, um, even when you're specced for full survivability. Uh, it actually did so good damage that it needed a nerf. Uh, one week after 7.1.5 came out. Yep. Um, and, uh, well, it does very good damage even when it's fully survivability spec. And even though it's true that there may be, it may be more difficult to play Port Warrior for survivability to meet that instead of um, rather, I don't know, Guardian Druid or Brewmaster Monk, um, they're still perfectly fine for survivability. And you can still do great DPS while be, without gimping your survivability. And that's good. Fair enough. What do you think, Maroc? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think in terms of actual balance, tank DPS is fine. Um, blood DKs are a little on the low side. They probably could use a buff, but before the nerf, um, after 7.1.5 came out, we were definitely overpowered in terms of damage. With with Devastator, I was on some fights, I was pulling as much DPS as our bottom DPS, and it was just insane. And then, you know, of course, we got nerfed. But you know, after the nerfs and balancing... Tank damages in a good spot. Yeah, there was. Uh, this is. It's a weird subject. Whenever you usually bring this up, that's why I'll make sure it's like a. It's it always matters, but there's definitely a balancing tipping point when. When it comes to like patchwork DPS, is normally where this comes a thing because again, like most tanks have and have to in their kit have a lot of tools to deal with AOE. Because they AOE tank trash in dungeons. That's all that's kind of how it works. But when when you're on patchwork style fights, and then when your tank damage is like you just suggested, like better or at the same level as your, your weakest DPS in your raid, which then it becomes like a bar tank's that, doing too much damage. But you're not if you're <laughs> roughly similar gear and skill. If you're doing the same DPS as someone who is as like the lowest DPS in your raid then like either they died or they're really bad at the game or they're significantly undergeared compared to you. Like that that doesn't happen. Tanks are not so strong that you're as strong as the weakest DPS. And if you look at uh, Warcraft logs uh, statistics at the same percentile for, um, or even if you look at like 100th percentile for tanks or maybe 99th um, compared to uh, 90th for DPS and you look at the worst DPS spec, um, they'll still be 
enormously further ahead of all the tanks because yeah if your tanks are doing as much dps as your dps that dps right. not playing properly in one way or another or they're like 30 sure. item numbers lower or something no absolutely and that's the thing i mean i think there at the start of the expansion there definitely was like the full dps like protection paladin which protection paladins had a stint in warlords where the same thing happened where they were just doing way too much damage so they got, you know, a little bit of a chip back. Because I think Blizzard kind of wants when that 70 to 75% of an actual DPS. So it's not insignificant damage, right? And that's why you add your two tanks together, as most fights are two tanked. And you get about just a little over a regular damage dealing class. So, but that's yeah, fair. Yeah, if, if there's ever, if tanks ever consistently do as much damage as a damage dealer, then that's definitely a problem and they would need to be nerfed. Yeah, that's fair. Because as as... then, because that at that point you might as well just bring more tanks because they're right. tankier, and then you know obviously just do the same damage, which would be just dumb. Sure. And it has historically been different. So, for example, in um, Siege of Orgrimmar, uh, tanks could quite easily often be the top DPS on certain fights, like in Garrosh. If you were solo tanking, you'd often be the top DPS. But that wasn't the, it. Wasn't the case that you just stack tanks because you needed to rely on the mechanic Vengeance to do that. Um, I think it's probably a good thing for the game that Vengeance has gone um, because it was insane. But um, I did. That said, I did enjoy abusing it. So, you know. Well, you. <laughs> I remember us having to abuse Vengeance on heroic Leishen progression. Your tank would sit down on the pole to get slapped in the back of the head for a crit to stack their Vengeance up because you needed their damage to help you push the phases because they're always attacking the boss. So their overall damage does it just added up to be really really important. But yeah, I'll, I'll agree. That you uh, bugged vengeance, and less than 0.1 second before you took a hit, you would uh, use a defensive cooldown, and then you'd get the effect of the the vengeance as if it hadn't been damage reduced. That was so. that was a lot of nonsense <laughs> back then for sure. But yeah, how about changing pace real quick here? I'm gonna bring up on screen something really ridiculous. How about your tier 20 armor? Oh boy. I'm bringing up the mythic one right now on the 3D model viewer. But if those of you don't know, that the gear coming from Tomb of Sargeras in the future is all sort of based on uh, Black Temple, tier 6. And this is the new warrior armor. I, I, yeah, it I, reminds me. Sorry. Oh no, it, it just looks really, really good. But it reminds you of I, what? Go ahead. Uh, there's an NPC, I can't remember his name, who you rescue him from uh, when you're doing the shipyard campaign. Right. And he's an orc, and you rescue him, and you grapple up to a building, and he says, this is why we cover all our buildings in spikes. And that's what <laughs> that uh, reminds me of. It is a, it is a impressive-looking set. It's one of my like favorite, like, top five, just because the biggest thing I brought up, the, the regular heroic one, I think, right now, the biggest thing you're noticing with the new armor sets and the way that, that WoW is evolving, like, graphically, is just, like, the, the, the thickness of the armor... Like, you have, like, hit plates now and, like, different levels of armor. Like, your gloves have a, a hand brace, like, on top of the glove. So, like, the thickness of the armor and it's it's just 3D nature. It's not all just flat painted texture anymore. Your chest is just flat textures on the normal one. But it is really, really impressive how far the armor modeling has come. But, yeah, the tier 20 looks... Really impressive, Maroc. What are you? Yeah. Are you gonna yeah, actually lead... change? Uh, probably not. I'll keep. I'll keep my uh, green helmet. But there's I like a it too much. There, well, <laughs> there is a green set of 
tier 20, you could put your helmet on top of that, but wear the rest of the tier 20, see? That's true. I could. I might. Probably not, but I might. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> in Legion, they added, you know, all that new technology to add 3D models on top of, you know, just like the base um, armor model. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get the, all those like really cool 3D effects, like you have those swinging things on belts or you have spikes on boots and stuff like that. It's, it makes it armor look way better. No, it definitely does. Like, just like the, the, actually, let me go real quick here to the MMO champion. Um, they have a poll down here. Oh, you know what? Actually, I'll put this on screen. I just voted again on Shaman, I think for the first time or again, I don't know. But yeah, so out of all the votes real quick here on MMO Champions thread, Warrior is winning at 24.6%, Warlock at 19, Priest at 14.4, Paladin's down there, and Shaman, the Monk, the most unlike set is Death Knight, wow. That's crazy. These can all be found, if you are curious, right here on the top of MMO Champion when you're on the, when you're on the homepage. Let me bounce over to that real quick. Here, go to 7.2, and then click on Tier 20 Armor Sets right there at the top. And there's some Final Boss Inception, because I'm on the front page right now. But go to patch 7.2 and go to Tier 20 Armor Sets. And then you get all of the all the armor sets, and then you click on Model Viewer to get the 3D of them. So they're all right there for you if you haven't seen them. And go, go vote. What do you think? What's your favorite armor set? Because <laughs> that's actually funny that Warrior is winning. I didn't know that until I clicked the button. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What were you trying to post? Oh, what's this? What's that? Oh. You made a straw poll. Does Maroc need a new transmog? No, say no, please. Here, I'll, I'll post it again. Yeah, there you go, chat. Does Maroc need a new transmog? Go for it. I'm going to vote on that right now, too, but I'm not going to tell you what I voted. Go vote, chat. Go vote. Um, You linked the wrong thing. That's something else. What? Something yeah, else. Not in English. What the you, hell is you, that? You missed a few numbers on the end. Oh, there's a few. Whoa, that's weird. <laughs> that's really strange. Why did I, I clicked on your link and just copied it? Yeah, you missed part of it. New poll available. Oh, there it goes. Now it'll pop up in chat because Twitch grabs it. Okay, cool. Why the hell? I. That's weird. I clicked Damn. on your link to vote and then I copy and pasted. Oh, well. There we go. Everyone I'm the, right I'm the only one who voted no. Let me see. <laughs> so, oh, no. There's eight votes for no now. Thanks, was, guys, whoever, whoever those eight people are. Nine votes for no so far. Ten votes for no. So many votes for yes. <laughs> Come on. My transmog's great. Well, you can wear tier 20 again. Just put your green helmet on. That's true. Yeah. The that mythic terrible. The mythic terrible. tier 20 set does look really, really good. So I might, I might use that one day. Fair enough. How long did you make this straw poll last for? Because I'll put it in the YouTube section. We'll get some more votes. <laughs> I didn't put a timer on it. Okay, fair enough. But um, anything else in the, the general tanking sword and board 101 section that you want to go over that we may have skipped before we move on? Anything else? What do you think? Uh, you guys have your, own, you have your own notes section. I don't know if you wanted to add anything. Oh, well, there's lots that we'll get to later. But I just want to say one thing now. Um, if you're a prop warrior... And you're losing threat to a guardian druid. That's oh, right. A guardian druid is losing threat to you, rather. Oh god. They're doing it wrong. It's not your <laughs> fault. It's okay. It's their fault. Tell them to play better. That's all I wanted to say. Oh. Yeah, threat threat issues with warriors and bears is an interesting topic, to say the least. Yeah. It comes it's, up a lot. Yeah. And it's it's their fault for losing threat. 
Uh, I mean, threat issues happen right now. I definitely know that Mass pulls aggro when he doesn't mean to over our prop paladin. So I don't know if that's just there. I mean, prop warriors do burst some significant threat. So yeah, if if you start a fight and you you pop battle cry, you have your potions running and everything with hero, you'll and you're running devastator, you'll probably rip off your co tank. You just do an insane amount of burst damage when all of that's up. So. Yeah, but other than Omkul, then... Uh, yeah. yeah. Alright, fair enough. Well, alrighty then. Well, I'm going to move us along real quick here for a little mid-show break and plug a few things. I will again, of course, plug and thank the support for the show that's growing on our Patreon page. And again, if you missed the beginning of the show, you get to see the show notes if you'd like to follow along with the show notes on Patreon as well. And there are more podcasts if you want more of the discussions between myself and the guests every week. This is a new thing that's happening now for for the uh, the rare tier, or epic tier, sorry, and higher, the $5 or more. You basically get another podcast. These are the BTS recordings that happen in the meet and greet section. So there's one for hunters. We started with hunters, right? So Azertharian um, and I, we sat down when we talked about everything. So you can go check that out. Obviously, all the shows post there. But when, when Azur and Fi and I talked, or when Keen and Can I Be Heels talked, these are all there. And then, of course, the one for this show will be posted very soon. Additionally, in chat, you will find a command, also a link below the stream, that is the guide, the channel guide. This has all the links to all the different Discord servers for every single spec and parts of the game. There's two for Demon Hunters, because reasons. Now that is the tank chat, general hospital, a link to the general chat for the final boss TV. If you want to ask questions for upcoming shows, the way to do so now is to be in my Discord channel. You have access to talk in the general chat. If you're not a subscriber to the show, then you can just ask in those sections if you want to get in touch with me for any reason. Or a day or two before each show, I always boop that channel and ask if you have any questions for the upcoming show. So you can just join the Discord server right there and, and jump in. But all the different resources on the side here, the stream schedule, again, the Mythic website is down here as well. So all the different resources and things, if you have curiosities, are all in the channel guide. And then, of course, because it's happening again, because Gul'dan is defeated, we don't have anything to show yet for the next World First uh, shirt design. Like, we had the Mythic Exorcist World First Xavius shirt for Exorcist. We had the ones for Method in the last expansion. The uh, new Gul'dan one is on its way. Again, the Exorcist interview should be, unless there's some scheduling problems that suddenly arise next Sunday. And I'll have something to show off on on there. But if you want to support the show in a different way, we've got all, this, all the things. And the colors and the stuff. But you can go pick and choose different apparel, hoodies, sweatshirts, tank tops, etc. With the different things and designs that you would like. I'm surprised that little Arthas is still... So the top, the top leftmost item is always the most popular one, but that little Arthas is killing it. Those shirts by Fabelina are too good. But thank you all those that who support the show in the different ways. And again, when the Exorcist shirt comes out, we're going to stylize it a lot more. So it just looks like a fantasy shirt. We, we went a little bit toward that regard with the new one, because you really can't tell that it's not like a World of Warcraft shirt. The other, the, the method ones are different artists that you definitely can, but we're trying out some different things on that one. So hopefully I get to show you something next week, but that would be, that'll be awesome. But that's, that's it for me to blurb about. You guys ready to 
dive into talents and things? Sure. Yep. All right. Well, let's bring that screen over here, and we will start the the meat and potatoes for Protection Warrior. So, there was obviously a change in prot from launch to 715. And overall, how are the new changes working out? You've lost, I mean, the APM of playing the spec before with, was it Focused Rage, was it? Yep, yep, yep. That is obviously dead and gone. So, I don't know. Murak, how, how does Prot Warrior feel now versus launch is it better now was it better at launch what are your what are your thoughts i think it's better i enjoy it more um at launch people like you know including myself complained about how much you had to spam devastate it was basically like cast shield slam and then spam devastate until you get a shield slam proc uh and that wasn't very engaging and i think adding the chance to reset shield slam onto thunderclap and revenge just makes the rotation a lot more i guess active uh, you have to react to procs way more, and it right. it gives importance to every button. Because, you know, before, you never cast Thunderclap unless you needed to pick things up or you're doing dungeons or something. And now, in raids, you're using all of your abilities, and they all do something impactful in regards to your rotation. So I think it, the new rotation is way more fun and interesting than previously. Macro, what do you think? Yeah, I'm actually quite happy with uh, the 715 changes. Um, I didn't know whether or not I would be when we were waiting for it to come out. Um, I actually quite enjoy high APM. I liked prot beforehand, uh, but I like it now as well. And um, I actually prefer the new way to play Vengeance than the old one because it requires more thought and that makes it more engaging for me. Uh, lots of people prefer the old one and yeah, unfortunately you can't please everyone true so the biggest change i'll bring up the talent calculator up in the b-roll section here real quick the biggest change real quick is this new talent so we'll talk about the tier 75 talent list this tier row now because this is like the hot bed currently so devastator is new and for those of you that don't know what this does is in the tier 75 row this is not is this specifically where inner rage or focus rage used to be or no it wasn't a talent for pro it replaced right. best serve cold which is now in a different talent row replacing something else okay fair enough yeah they got rid of ultimatum and okay, put right. best serve cold in ultimatum spot because ultimatum was the free focus rage proc and focus rage is gone so they right. had to so Devast else there. devastator is now that your auto attacks deal additional weapon damage which has some ridiculous math involved in that but okay um 0.780 times 278% of weapon damage it's, or 0 0.028 whatever. It's the damage that a cast of Devastate would do if you right. didn't have the talent. So your auto attacks basically devastate for you. Generate yes. 5 rage and have a 30% chance to reset the remaining cooldown of Shield Slam. Which is what Devastate does. So this removes, which is funny, this removes another bar a button from your bar, essentially. You don't have to Devastate because it doesn't automatically you can't even can you devastate normally though or is the button go away no okay. button's just gone okay and this now competes with never surrender which ignore pain will ignore up to 100 percent more damage based on missing health 
And I believe when I tested this on beta during all of my beta testing, you had to be essentially 1% health to get 99% more yes, that's ignore pain, or you're dead to get 100%, which can happen. Right. And then yeah. Indomitable, which increases your maximum health by 25% and the maximum effect of ignore pain by 25%. And I believe that was per cast, right? Because ignore pain sort of stacks twice. It's Yeah, and because it increases the... Uh, well, it stacks more than twice. Um, because it increases the... Uh, the size of an individual ignore pain, it also increases the maximum amount uh, that it can stack to, which is three times the uh, maximum of a single cast. Okay, three, three, three times. It's, it's three times the maximum of ignore pain on cast. So the, the, okay. the ignore pain's yes. cap is calculated as you press ignore pain, and if you go, it's three times that. So if you go over that, then, you know, you just get the maximum amount. Yeah. Okay. You can actually, um, if you get a dragon scales prop, for example, which is an artifact trait, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment, um, that will also temporarily raise the cap because it's temporarily raising the amount of an ignore pain, um, and so commensurately raises the cap as well. Right. That's when your the cool little dragon slam down the scales slam down next to your warrior, and you see the visual, but that gives you. Um, what is that? Blocking an attack has a chance to increase the total damage ignored by our next ignore pain by 40%. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get a larger ignore pain. So, but I, I guess walk me through the tier 75 talents and like where these all stack up now. And I know you have a lot of notes and, and mathy stuff you want to get out there, but we never surrender Indomitable and Devastator. So I don't know okay. who wants to take this. I'll, I'll, start, this. With the, uh, I'll start with the quick one. Uh, sure. Never surrender. Uh, never use, never surrender. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Pretty much. Yep. Uh, so whilst it's true that realistically you're going to be able to do any content with any talent choices, although you're making it harder for yourself if you choose bad ones, um, never surrender is more or less strictly weaker than indomitable for the purposes of survivability. Um, it's true that if you were always on 50% health and you were using, then it would be more total absorption than indomitable but it would be worse for survivability to do that. For survivability, Indomitable is definitely a much stronger choice than Never Surrender in virtually all circumstances. Um, however, Indomitable is not necessarily better than Devastator. Uh, so that leads into... So there is a legitimate choice on that row, but it doesn't involve Never Surrender. Okay. Yeah, there's just, there are literally zero situations where you'd pick Never Surrender. Devastator or Indomitable are always better choices in some aspect. So yeah, the choice does is comes down between Devastator and Indomitable. So I guess the the big thing you're looking at here, which this actually happened the other day, we were progressing on Mythic Croesus, and we kept having intermittent problems with Mass. Again, my main tank, my prot warrior tank, he I kept dying, and. We were wondering if taking Indomitable would be more helpful at the time. Just having, like, oh, I'm going to click a button and gain 2 million HP, basically. Um, it worked. It was fine. He lost a ton of damage. But um, it, it, it wasn't probably the issue, because what, what happens here is that because it frees up buttons, Devastator does, it gives you resets, as you would normally without having to worry about it on Shield Slam, which gives you more rage to give you more ignore pains at least for again on croesus you have to ignore pain to help blunt the damage of that stupid dot because obviously blocking does nothing so what's the like what's the real deep math behind like how how much more mitigation do you get with devastator 
because of the reset and the rage generation versus Indomitable's just flat game, but then having to go back to spamming, devastating, weaving it into the rotation. So that, under normal under normal circumstances where you're getting, I guess, an average amount of rage from damage taken, um, you're going to get way more total ignore pain absorb using Devastator. Now, if you had, for some reason, insane rage from damage taken, the 25% um, increased ignore pain, you know, you're put, if you're putting all of that rage into ignore pain, you it would be possible to get more total ignore pain with Indomitable, but realistically, you're never going to get that much rage from damage taken. So Not even you know, on the hardest hitting the big fights. Like, it's yeah. not anywhere near close to the amount where it would uh, be worth doing it for that reason alone. Yeah, so in, you know, in all cases, Devastator is just going to give you more total ignore pain absorb. And because of that, it's a good talent for survivability in certain situations where, where you don't need that extra health. Um, it can also be the case that you do need the extra health. So on certain bosses, uh, in particular, for example, on Odin before the spears were nerfed, uh, lots of warriors who don't know how to call for externals were struggling on staying alive to the spears. And um, one thing that made that significantly easier is having 25% extra health and also 25% extra to ignore pain at that given moment. Um, so Indomitable is really good for that. It's also good on fights like Hellia, where you have the breaths in phase three, where you can't get any healing uh, immediately after them. And Indomitable lets, is very good at helping you not die um, immediately after a breath, even if you're going to survive the breath itself easily either way. Um, Indomitable is very powerful at helping you stop dying, uh, helping you not die um, immediately after that, uh, compared to Devastator. So those, those are two examples of where Indomitable is a really powerful talent. Uh, for survivability. Um, however, uh, like Marat pointed out, um, in general, unless your rage from damage taken is ridiculously high, so high that even Mythic Helio, uh, even a fight like Black Hand probably wouldn't be enough rage from damage taken for Indomitable to do enough total ignore pain to be more than Devastator. Um, in general, Devastator is significantly higher total ignore pain. Um, now, as we'll discuss later, uh, damage taken is not the only important thing. Obviously, you need to make sure you actually survive the... Um... Sorry, something's in chat. Uh, music. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, not only do you need to make sure that you aren't taking too much damage, but also you have to actually survive the hit, and that's very important. But as long as you are surviving the hit, as long as you're not getting killed so quickly that your healers can't react, right. Devastator will usually mean that um, you need less total healing. It's usually a good idea to take Devastator for survivability, even on fights like Croesus. Yeah, in your in your Croesus going back to the Croesus example, I right. would recommend running Devastator. Um, of course. Of course. You know, obviously you have to be good at playing with it, you know, playing around it, but, you know, that all those extra ignore pains are really going to help against that dot. And on that fight in particular, you also need basically need to be using bops from paladins um to soak some slams because if you get if you have say five stacks of the, the debuff and then you also get slammed that's a lot of damage and you know in situations like that you just need a bop or something to survive wait, wait, wait. why would why would tank soak the slams when you have perfectly capable rogues that's true well, exactly. you, know, you could have rogue <laughs> soak them and though it's true that it's harder to soak the slams with Devastator than it is with Indomitable, it's mm. still probably a good idea not to do it, even if you were using Indomitable. I think we are... And, 
Oh, go ahead. And one one final point about Devastator, which is extremely important, but right. uh, may or may not factor into your um, considerations, is that Devastator is an enormous DPS increase. Yeah. Yes, yes. It... That's, that's probably the weirdest part about that tier, is that Devastator is a flat damage increase. Like a, a ridiculously large one. Over the other two that don't do anything for damage. Yeah. I don't know if... Uh, I mean, I it's get it, weird but... tier. Yeah. You have one talent that's basically worthless, one talent that only affects viability, and then another talent that affects viability the, and damage. It's and, and is the best for both of those in most situations. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. In my opinion, it's poor design. I really liked the um, initial idea for Devastator, where it was essentially going to be a talent for people that weren't very good and couldn't manage to press a button every global cooldown. And then they changed how revenge worked, and that change to revenge really significantly um, changed the effectiveness of Devastator for uh, survivability in particular. I was fine with it being a talent that's, you know, a DPS option when you don't need survivability and okay for survivability right. if you're terrible at the game. But now um, that's not the case. And to be honest, I think that's poor design, even if I do enjoy playing with it, because it means that the other talents don't really compete with it properly. Yeah, and with that said, though, Indomitable still remains a, a very good talent for survivability. So if you That's don't like, the case, yeah. yeah, if you don't like playing with Devastator, or you just don't like the talent, then you can still run Indomitable, and you'll still be, you know, considerably tanky, you know, yeah, tankier that's... over like Never Surrender. So it's still a viable option to run Indomitable. Okay. Yeah, and again, uh, realistically, you could probably tank, especially you know, non-mythic, with no talents if you were doing your rotation well. And that's maybe a slight exaggeration in some cases, but Indomitable is absolutely still a strong talent. It was easily the strongest talent before 715, and it hasn't actually changed. It just got a competitor, uh, which is often better. Indomitable is just as strong as it always was, and it's, is a very powerful talent in, in, it's, in its own right. It's funny to, to think back, because all my beta testing I did, I tested every single class in spec twice, I put about probably six to ten hours in every spec, and I, I remember very specifically going into launch, probably because we just had less HP, like you, you were taking more damage earlier on based on your, you know, percentage-based HP. Never Surrender was so good, and now it's just like, no, no. It's just like, it, it swung so heavy in the other direction, which is funny because mm. they, they buffed Indomitable, though, to make it better, but then... Never sort of just like flew off the. Yeah, and the funny thing about that is it was so when you know we got first access to the talents, it was 100%, um, up to 100% increase ignore pain on never surrender, and then they right. nerfed it to 75% when no one used it in the first place. And they bought it back. Yeah, yeah, and then they put it back to 100%. So I'm not really sure what their like Weird. thought process is behind this talent because no one takes yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. And. It's like they think it's good, but it's really not. I, I don't know. But yeah, like, like mathematically, you need to be at half HP when you ignore pain for Never Surrender to be worth it over Indomitable. Like, you, this well, has... no, you need to be below seventy-five percent health in order for it to do more ignore pain. Oh, to do but more. But the fact yeah. that, but the yeah. fact that you lose the stamina uh, and the fact that you lose the extra health means that at no point, at no health point, is it going to be worth sitting at for survivability right. I, I never surrender has never been uh, the best talent to use since release um 
there is a very specific circumstance where you may have considered using it for if you were tanking four drakes on Cenaris and you didn't really have much healing. You might mm. decide to sit at uh, low health a lot. Um, it's particularly good on like a tanking dummy for that reason because you're not getting any healing, so you can afford to sit on low health. And the only thing that matters is uh, how much ignore pain are you putting out. Um, Fair enough, yeah. But I, I don't think it's ever been uh, a viable option compared to Indomitable, except for very odd, specific circumstances. And I certainly wouldn't ever use it now. Fair yeah, enough. going back to to that point on, you know, you need to be below 75% health to get more and ignore pain from Never right. Surrender than you would from Indomitable. You actually, if you take into account the extra health you get from Indomitable, you need to be below... And it changes with gear. So the more gear you get, the worse Never Surrender is. And you need to be below something like 40% HP to actually have more effective health oh, wow. with Never Surrender than Indomitable. So it's it's just really not a good talent. Mm. And if you're and the idea that you might deliberately be on 40% health to improve your survivability is insane. Yeah. That's just that's just stupid. Yeah. Well, yeah, because prop wearers aren't brewmaster monks that actually get better as they get lower in HP because they can juggle their HP and stagger very well. But yeah, prop wearer can't do that. So let's move over to the warplate of the obsidian aspect. So this is going to be your tier 19 set right now. Where so this and then we'll go through talents because this sort of all goes together. So the two piece you have for protection is you gain a 20% increased chance to critically block while shield block is active. And then your critical blocks generate five rage. So going back to how important rage is, and again, where we're living in this devastator being super important right now, where you get even more rage and you get all of the passive resets on shield slam to get more rage. So how important and how impactful is the, uh, the tier 19 set and i guess the first question is too is the 20 percent increased critical block chance additive or multiplicative it sounds additive it's additive okay. yeah it's additive sounds good but yeah i mean Mar 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 yeah walk they they're good you you do want the two piece and four piece the two piece in particular is very strong um based you know, in other words it's saying you know, on every block you have a 20 percent chance to reduce the damage by another what is it, 42%? Just going from a block to a crit block is 42% damage reduction. Um, and four piece, it's particularly good in dungeons. You know, when you have a bunch of mobs on you, every crit block, it actually, what's the ICD on a macro? Second. Yeah, one so second. yeah, four piece has a one second ICD, but even still, you know, getting an extra it's, five it's rage every second because... is good. Yeah, because if you're being hit by five things at a time, you're very likely to critically block, as long as you have shield block up, you're very likely to critically block one of those every second or so. Whereas if you're only being hit by one thing every one and a half seconds, the odds that you're going to critically block every second is extremely low. Sure, um, sure. So the value of it does go up uh, the more targets you have, which, uh, that's definitely the case. But as Mark said, uh, it is still worth it, um, even on single target. Uh, but it's not necessarily worth losing a lot of gear, for, uh, a lot of item level for for the, just the four set in and of itself. Yeah, I wouldn't drop item level for the four set, but despite the fact that the pieces don't have the best itemization, you still just want to go for it. Like, you know, chest is crit versus high crit, but you know, if that drops and it's the same item level, you should take it. it yeah, that they're just worth getting. Whereas the two set is extremely powerful. It's worth. Uh, 
it's a mastery has kind of three components. One of them is not really relevant because you have shield block up anyway. Mm-hmm. One of them increases ignore pain, and one of them increases your critical block chance. And the um, two set is basically the third component of mastery. And if you just look at that part of mastery, it's worth over five thousand mastery. Wow! So while shield block is up, and shield block is right. not always up, but you always have it up at least when it's relevant and as much as possible. So it's worth a lot. The two set in particular. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it depends on also. I guess it depends on the boss too. I don't think we have any bosses right now that count as dual wield attack speed because obviously you can critically block them more often than a regular boss that has the normal whack, whack kind of attack timer. But we'll see how. That... Well, some bosses do have ads. Um, sure. But in course, general, I don't, I don't think anything really. I don't think anything significant matters you more than once every one point five seconds. Right. Yeah. Uh, apart apart from annihilate, which would uh, is several ticks a second. Yeah, I, love, I was about to ask. Yeah, is annihilate counted as a melee attack that's blockable? Well, it's not a melee attack, but it is. It is blockable. Yes, oh, okay, it. okay, right, right. Because it's like a, it's like a the... fist of fury, basically. That's what she's doing. So yeah, yeah. On, on Gul'dan, if your melee decide to troll you and give him 10 stacks, then <laughs> you're going to get be getting hit pretty often. That's so. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, I guess, what four most optimal pieces do you want to go for, then? Of the six. If you could pick the four. Uh, so... Helm, shoulders, cloak, and legs. Legs, yeah. That's interesting. And you don't... that's partially because of the stats, but also because... Uh, the best in slot, uh, or one of the best in slot legendaries is probably the gloves. Right. Um, also, if, if you had, for example, the legendary chest, which is not great uh, in terms of the effect on it, but it has very good stats and it's 940 chest, so it's obviously really good stats. Um, if you had the legendary chest, then you'd want to get something else ideally. Um, so it really it depends on uh, what legendaries you have and Realistically, take what drops. Honestly, secondary stats do not make that big of a difference. Um, if you had to drop item level for certain items, you'd want to drop it on ones that were not big items in terms of stat budget, which is chest and helm, then shoulders and legs, and then other okay. items. Okay. So I wouldn't the, worry the... about the secondaries to that extent, really. Right, because that's that's what I was going to tie that into, which is normally in there, and I kind of moved it down to here now in my brain, is secondary stats for tanks are interesting. And I know the chat asked earlier, like, how much haste do I want? But <laughs> They are trolling. So, right, of yeah. course. But, so how do secondary stats break down then with all of this taken into account? Because, like, for, for a DPS, outside of legendaries, we obviously all want, like, helm chest legs, first off, because they have the highest stat budget for our agility, our strength, our intellect, etc. So normally, with secondaries and those, we just kind of, like, deal with, because those are the rawest, best stats. The highest eye level in those three sock- sockets would be important. But you didn't mention the chest, is why I was curious. But yeah, how do, what's secondary stat balance look like for, for Prot Warrior, if anyone even wants to break that down real quick? Well, so secondary stats as a whole are less important for tanks because stamina has importance for tanks, which basically means item level upgrades are are more important. Any item level upgrade is usually going to be an upgrade, you know, regardless of the secondary stats they have just because of stamina and armor. Armor is also a very important stat. So, you know, take those two things into consideration and that, you know, sort of lowers the 
value of secondaries. Okay. But overall, then, eye level is sort so, of like the best. Yeah, you generally just want to... If something's an eye level increase, it's probably an upgrade and you should probably equip it. Okay. If anything is like... If it was a 10 eye level increase, that's almost guaranteed to be an upgrade. If 5 eye level increase, you should look at the stats. If it's 15, it absolutely is an upgrade. Okay. But that aside, that is there... Uh, to be clear, that doesn't necessarily apply to trinkets, obviously. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Sure. Trinkets yeah. are a whole another beast. <laughs> sure. But I guess that that aside, though, there is still like a, a, a an ebb and a flow that you want to try to aim for with your gear, right? Is it like a hierarchy and what stat priority you would like to to sort of aim for 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 protection? Like, is there feel good points? I know the whole thirty percent haste thing comes up. So what is a, what about what about that whole side of? So yeah, we can talk about haste in particular first because it's probably the most I guess confusing thing um, sure. when it comes to stats or prot. Uh, so. So right now, haste is the best stat per point until you get to a certain percentage. Now, a lot of people take that to mean that you need a certain amount of haste, which just isn't the case. It's the best stat until you hit that percentage, which means it's a limit. You know, it's not a cap. It's not a break point, but it's just the best until that percent. And currently, um, we don't know for sure, but it that that cap or that limit is about 35 to 40% haste. So you'd want to hit 35 to 40% haste, but not you don't want to sacrifice item level for that. And then after that um, is mastery. Mastery is just a good stat. Versatility and then crit. Mastery and versatility, and especially with all the magic damage in Nighthold, they're, they're probably about equal in value. Maybe you know mastery will be ahead on you know high physical damage fights versus a head-on something like Star Augur. Right. And then crit is significantly worse than all of the other secondaries. I, I would assume crit falls into that whole... Because the tanks, Mass and Sam, my two tanks, were going back and forth the other day about, like, I have no bag space. I have, like, a verse set and a haste set and a crit DPS verse set for dungeons and mm. all this other stuff in my bags. So I'm sure that might fall into that, that category of, like, well, if you're going to do Mythic Pluses, you want to do damage. Right. right. Well, there's that as well, but even for survivability, crit is not great, but it's right. not it's not nothing. I mean, um, parry, on average, is quite a reasonable damage reduction stat. Um, the problem with that is that, on average, doesn't necessarily matter, because you could just get unlucky and not parry three hits in a row, and then sure. you die. You, can't, you certainly can't rely on parrying. Um, so, obviously, you get around uh, reliable stats which always do something um haste is improving your average raise generation and shield block up time um you can still get unlucky but you uh, the more haste you have the less you being unlucky will make a difference um the uh, uh mastery is um also rng similar to crit but it's uh Unlike crit, there's no diminishing returns. Unlike crit, it's a lot stronger per point at average damage reduction. Right. Um, and uh, versatility is always there. So, uh, But on the other hand, crit, in terms of damage that you can parry, is actually not that bad. So whilst it's not desirable and you don't necessarily want to, and you certainly wouldn't want to enchant crit for survivability or something like that, um, an item is not worthless because it has crit, it's fine. And if you were comparing two items of the same item level and one of them had crit and the other didn't, the one that doesn't have crit is probably better. 
But if you're comparing two items of different item level, even, even if the higher one has crit and the lower one doesn't, the higher one is probably better. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people, you know, they'll get a 20 item level upgrade on a particular piece, but they'll say it's worthless because it has crit on it and that's just not the case. And it, it's just, so, yeah. yeah, it's still an upgrade. You have the armor, the stamina, the extra strength, just the higher total secondary stats. Um, and, you know, it, and crit still has value. So it's still an upgrade. Well, yeah, you brought up that point about how obviously important stamina is for any tank, right? But yes. I know for certain tanks, Protection Warrior in particular, obviously strength is really important because it directly impacts Ignore Pain. Like, strength is attack power. Attack power is well, defense, essentially. Like, not many tanks get the same back and forth on well, that. Um, do you want to talk about this, Mark? Sure. So, that's true. Strength does give you AP, which increases, you know, total ignore pain, but mm -hmm. strength still isn't that great of a stat. Um, oh, okay. It's... Ignore Pain doesn't scale that well with Strength, and with how other stats work and interact, they're just they're still better than Strength. It is nice, though, to have Ignore Pain scale with Strength, because you can just take that into account when looking at gear, and it's like, you know, this is this yeah. does have Strength, so it's going to increase my Ignore Pain a little, but it's not, it's not something that you particularly focus on when looking at stats. Right. Like well, Perk Point, for example, right. Strength is demonstrably significantly worse than versatility. They do exactly the same thing in terms of increasing ignore pain by different amounts per point, obviously. And versatility also gives you a certain amount of damage reduction. So it's uh, sure. relatively easy to compare the two because you can look at um, at a certain level of damage reduction, strength is uh, better. And as, when you go over that amount of damage reduction, versatility is better per point. Now, you're not normally, they're not normally competing in a per point basis, but it's still, um, so that level where above that level of damage taken, versatility is better, is extremely low. Versatility is always better whenever you're taking any relevant damage at all per point than strength. And versatility is not that great anyway. Um, it's not bad, but it's not that brilliant. Um, so strength is really not particularly strong for survivability. It's still something, and it's something to take into account when you have an item level upgrade. It's part of the reason why item level upgrades are usually upgrades, but it's just not that strong. Right. Now, that all makes total sense. I guess the bet brings up because you were going on how eye level is so important and obviously there's impacts to strength, but not like just completely face value. So good. Sounds good to me. Uh, I think with all that gone over, let's actually walk through through the talents now. I'll bring this up. Um, Barack, you want to walk me through sort of talent builds and options and thoughts on the talents again sure we can, we can skip over 75 you've already sort of went over that quite heavily well, i was gonna ask um, while we're on the topic to of <laughs> while we're on the topic of stats do we want to talk about stamina a little yeah, more i think i think we need to talk about that a bit sure so people are, are under the impression that stamina isn't that great or it like only matters for burst damage and that's not really true stamina's really efficient at increasing your effective health and damage and any damage reduction can be expressed as effective health so stamina the way basically the way i like to explain why stamina is good is if you, you know if you look at a particular hit and how much damage it does if you have more stamina 
that's going to reduce the total impact that that hit had on you. And it's the same thing that damage reduction does, right? So if you were looking at the percentage of your health and you, know, you put shield wall up, right? It's going to take off less, you know, percentage of your health. And it's the same thing with stamina. Um, you'll lose, you know, less percentage of your health. Now, that obviously doesn't tell the whole story because you're still actually taking more damage if you were to increase your stamina, which needs to be healed back up. Right. But it's still a good stat for survivability. And, and the, the fact of the matter is, often you'll take a lot of overhealing and often uh, healers will not have to heal you. And if you have more stamina, you know, it's not necessarily difficult to heal that extra health. And reducing, increasing your health by 5k and reducing a particular hit by 5k is exactly the same at helping you survive. Uh, the only difference is that um, for stamina, it has to be healed up. But that's not necessarily difficult. And stamina, usually, when it's competing with other things, per point, uh, increases your health by significantly more than the amount of damage reduction you get from other stats. So obviously you can't just have a ridiculously large amount of health and then take all the damage without it being healed up at all. However, you can um, you can go for extra health uh, at the cost of taking a bit more damage in total because that will improve your survivability overall. It will reduce the number of times when you would have died. It will make it easier to heal you. Even sure. though you need more healing, it will make it easier to do that healing. Right. No, it makes sense. I mean, there, I, I'm sure in like the MMO Champion Guide or listed in the, the Skyhold Discord, there's probably some effective health breakdown because most of the effective health is just between HP and armor. But there's obviously a lot more that goes into that because of um, math is not that easy in World of Warcraft. So, but... What? Well, I mean, everything is effective health, really. Even um, if, if you consider crit on average, it's uh, effective health, although obviously oh, of because of its unreliable nature, in parrying it's not. Uh, but haste is effective health because it's uh, increasing your rage generation, which sure. um, is ignore pain, and it's increasing your... Um, and it's increasing your... Um, shield block up time which is a very significant increase to effective yeah. health well um, that's, that's what i mean like effective health overall to break down for each individual tank has so much more involved in it because of how their different stats are priorities and what what affects them but for the most part obviously that the whole point of that was that stamina is important so yes. that goes all the way back to Maroc's talk about how people would look at secondary stats on an upgraded piece higher eye level and think it's not an upgrade which is that's just like not it's not true Yep. So, and while we're on the subject, I'd like to briefly talk about like stamina floss versus strength floss. So this is something that depends a bit on the expansion, but right now, right. stamina floss give you quite a lot more effective health than a strength flask would, for example. Um, it's the case that obviously a strength flask is better for uh, ignoring DPS because naturally, if you're interested in increasing in increasing your DPS and you don't care about your survivability, then obviously you should go for a strength flask in that case. Um, but if you're talking about just for survivability, um, a strength flask will be less helpful uh, helping you survive than um, a stamina flask will be. And you can contrast this with Devastator and Indomitable because Indomitable gives you more effective health at any given moment and Devastator gives you more damage reduction in total. And the difference between the two is that 
it's the ratio that's different. So whilst uh, relative to the amount of damage reduction you get uh, from a strength flask, a stamina flask gives you a lot of effective health. The opposite is true for Indomitable and Devastator, where Devastator will give you an enormous amount more total ignore pain compared to the amount of ignore pain that you get with Indomitable. And that usually, although not always, but usually makes it worth taking Devastator rather than taking Indomitable. Right. No, I mean, you're. The, I have the consumable tag here that is after talents, but we can go over that right now and then go into the talent breakdown specifically. So you brought up the two different flasks, but then you wanted to make sure we went over potions and even like the rage potion, apparently. But potions are weird for, for tanks because you have an armor potion, prolonged power, and old war, whereas DPS only have prolonged and old war, deadly grace, right? Uh, right. And then tanks... At least rage-based tanks, you can utilize the rage potions from last expansion. So, I don't know. You do you have anything you wanted to go over on on consumables on that aspect as well? So to break down potions, um, right. yeah, like you said, there are basically three choices: the armor potion, which is unbending, prolonged power, and old war. So you know, if you're going for DPS, obviously use old war. Um, prolonged power can be better for DPS if you're doing like huge pulls and dungeons or something because mm -hmm. the more targets the better prolonged power is but you, I don't even know the number of targets you need for prolonged power to be better so in most cases old war is just going to be better for DPS. Um, and as for unbending um, it's going to be significantly stronger than prolonged power for survivability if you know you're taking physical damage. So on a fight like Star Augur you'd want to just pot prolonged power all the time because the increase to strength and stamina is going to help you survive on that fight where armor is going to do basically nothing. So Yeah, because the comets are physical damage on Star Ogre, but they're not really the main component of the threatening damage. Yeah, so mm. in certain situations, prolonged power is just your best potion just because, of, you know, how much physical damage you, you're going to be taking, you know, it lasts 60 seconds, and it has a DPS component too. So if you're, you know, if you're looking for a potion that does something for your survivability and damage, then just use prolonged power. On, yeah, and it's absolutely. also cheap. So, like, on progression, right, yeah, yeah. just pot prolonged power all the time, and you're good. Mythic Plus yeah. is you chug um, every trash pack, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A quick note on the Rage Potion is that although yep. it's extremely powerful for Druids, because, for example, if you compare the armor gain you get from the Iron Furs that you can cast with a Rage Potion compared to the amount of armor you get from a prolonged, uh, from, sorry, Unbending Potion, um, it's extremely strong for Druids, but it's very weak for Warrior compared to uh, even a prolonged power, let alone um, Unbending. So I wouldn't recommend using Rage Potion for Warriors, even, if it, even though it's good for Druids. That's right. I, I know you wanted me to just have a caveat to that in the show for sure, but yeah, that makes the most sense. I mean, the thing about Old War, if I'm not mistaken as well, at least with the Warrior class because of Battlecry, doesn't Old War procs in Battlecry guarantee crits, right, too? Because it's like a... Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's and an also, um, also, if you're using Avatar or Renewed Fury, they'll benefit sure. from that. And Percentage also from yeah, and also from Booming Voice if you're using that talent as well. Yeah, that all makes sense. Yeah, that's why people always bring up for me why I only use Prolonged Power as an Enhancement Shaman. But, like, I have no damage amplification increases as an Enhancement Shaman. All I do is sort of just continuously do what I do, right? So Prolonged Power lasting a minute, giving me 2,500 agility, increasing all that damage is way more important than the, the burst window of Old War in 25 seconds. Because, again, I don't have anything that amps it. But if you're a warrior, DPS warrior, prot warrior, 
overall, it affects Battlecry and again the other sources of damage. Percentage based damage increases on your character, your player will increase old wars damage because essentially during that time you just have like an RPPM trinket that just hits for damage. So if you right. amplify your damage, old war goes up as well. So all right. Well now we can do talents, I guess. Yes. <laughs> we went a roundabout way. So Maroc, I don't know, walk me through some builds and thoughts. Start with fifteens and we'll just go down through these. What where their strengths and weaknesses lie? Sure. So you know, first first tier is basically your utility tier. Um, you have an AoE stun, single target stun, and well, another AoE stun, but that works slightly differently. Um, yeah. So pers personally, in most situations, I just take Shockwave on like everything. I don't. I haven't switched off Shockwave in a long time. Um, it, you know, it's really good for dungeons. You just stun everything in front of you for three seconds. Interrupt casts. Um, and it's on a 20 second cooldown if you had three or more targets. So it makes it really good. Um, Stormbolt. Now, actually, the interesting about, thing about Stormbolt is you can take it um, for damage purposes if you're using Devastator. Because you will have downtime during Devastator where you just oh. like, literally have nothing to cast. And, you know, in those MTG CDs, you can just throw a Stormbolt in there if you wanted to. And that's kind of the only use Stormbolt has, in my opinion. Um, yeah, they, I agree. They did nerf shockwave recently from a four second stun to a three second stun i yep. don't really think that was necessary but yeah whatever probably because um, it's, it's just i'd, I'd it's say it's necessary it was a very strong uh, ability otherwise um, it's probably a good idea to quickly talk about the warbringer change uh, warbringer used to be an extremely powerful talent and they buffed it in one respect they increased the stun duration uh, it's not on the same DR as other stuns, so it doesn't compete with stuns uh, that other people in your group uses. However, really? they made it much harder to use. Um, so it no longer stuns uh, around a friendly target if you intercept to a friendly target um, and intervene rather. So, um, mm. which means that you'd have to stun something that you're standing next to, you'd need to run away or leap away and then charge back in. And that makes it significantly more difficult to use and probably not worth it most of the time. So I also usually go with Shockwave most of the time. Interesting. Okay. That's fair enough. What about 30s? So 30. Um, so there's actually a lot to talk about here, even though people think there isn't. Um, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Sure. Uh, so Pending Victor, let's go over Pending Victory first. Um, that's basically the go-to talent for dungeons. Um, you know, when you're killing trash, you can get a lot of resets on that heal and it's really really good for survivability just to be able to hit that and just heal yourself immediately um but if you uh if i mean if you get it resets then you don't need impending victory like the value of impending victory is when you don't have the resets no i'm just saying like victory rush in general is a good ability right. oh, sure. and, right. ha and having you know that heal you know you don't have to get that reset for that heal is is really good um so Inspiring Presence is basically the go-to raid talent. Uh, you know, heals everyone for 3% of the damage they deal, except for the, the warrior that has Inspiring Presence. It yeah. used to heal the warrior for 3% of the damage they dealt, but they got rid of that for whatever reason. Yeah, it only um, affects everyone else, not you, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and safe... It in, did. I, it, used, it, beta, it beta, you could stack. Yeah. You could stack them. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> they used to be able to stack them with two pro warriors, yeah. yeah. But uh, they removed that as well. 
Yep. And then Safeguard is a talent no one really talks about or takes, but it can be very, very good in certain situations. So, like Odin, for example, if your co-tank was about to take a spear, you know, just intercept them, and 30% of that spear damage goes to you, oh, yeah. which is pretty significant. Or like Helia Breaths, intercept the co-tank mm. before that, and you take off. Because it's know. important to note that it only matters what damage they're taking at that point. If you take 30% of the spear, it's not going to do anything significant at all, because you're not taking any significant damage at all. But you could be easily helping them survive when they might not, or they might have struggled to otherwise. Yeah, it's 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 good in certain situations, but no one really talks about it. So, uh, but it is also important to notice that um, it's bound to your intervene, and intervening uh, can cause some mechanics to go on you that you uh, didn't intend to. So, for example, if you yeah. uh, intervene your co tank, and then they take an arcane slash on Triliax or recursive strikes on high botanist um those mechanics will go on you instead via intervene so you can't use safeguard for that purpose i know yeah i would say it's called intercept macro <laughs> get with the times we're in legion now but yeah it's all on one button but yeah that's fair enough i think our tanks have used safeguard a, a few times but that's very true you don't want to take stacks of a debuff on a tank to save your other tank because then you just doomed you both <laughs> so don't do yeah. that yeah yeah all right what's up 45s and then keep going 45 uh damaged here basically um nothing in here affects survivability whatsoever um so renewed fury um basically you know you have to cast ignore pain to get that 10 percent damage buff so if you're casting ignore pain a lot you can have very high uptime on Renewed Fury, and that's probably going to be best for DPS, you know, compared to Avatar. Um, Avatar is really, really good for burst phases, you know, if there's like, or dungeons, if there's, you know, you can gather up a bunch of ads, pop Avatar and, you know, Battle Cry and just blow them up, that will be a significant amount of damage over Renewed Fury. Um, let's see, best serve cold. Uh, macro, do you want to talk about best serve cold? You were. Um, does this sure, actually same, uh, does this this is work properly now? Because I know in beta this thing was a barrel yes. of complete nonsense. Yes, it does. Um, okay. So best serve cold is the best talent if you have, uh, in general, if revenge is doing more than forty percent of your damage and you have five or more targets. Uh, which is rarely the mm. case. So best serve cold is usually not actually a strong option. Usually, it's a choice between. Uh, renewed Fury and Avatar, and it simply comes down to whether or not you need to use Ignal Pain a lot. If you don't need to use Ignal Pain a lot, because you don't need survivability for the content that you're doing, then Avatar is going to be significantly stronger. If you do need to use Ignal Pain a lot, then depending on how bursty the damage is, Renewed Fury is probably stronger, but Avatar may be stronger if it's a short window. Okay. Um, I think we should probably uh, try and move on a bit faster. So, um, do you want to talk about Warlord's Challenge quickly? Well, I was gonna, sure. Yeah, I was gonna just bring up on the side note. I think that Avatar is usually brought a lot because you snapshot nonsense with Avatar and Warcry and your shield most of the time. And that's why a lot, I see a lot of Avatars normally for damage. But yeah, that's fair. I was gonna, right. I was gonna transition over to sixty and saying you take Crackling Thunder all the time because it looks awesome, right? <laughs> <laughs> it does look pretty cool. Yeah. Um. We'll and we can talk about um the level 45 talents more when we get to the 90 talents because what sure. talents yeah. you pick there affect the 45 ones but uh yeah. 
Anyway, uh, moving on. So Warledge Challenge. Um, that's a talent I run most of the time. It, it's I find it to be incredibly useful in a lot of situations. Um, so like if you mess up a taunt, right, and taunts on cooldown, well, just pop Zerger Rage and you know correct that mistake. Um, it makes the boss move faster towards you. So if you need to move the boss to a certain position, you know you leap away, pop Zerger Rage and taunt, and it'll come right over to you really fast. Um, just like the utility that it gives you is really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually a lot more helpful than the other talent choices. Um, I find Crafting Thunder nice in dungeons. It's a shame that they nerfed it in 715. I really don't think that was necessary. Um, but it's no doubt that Warlord's Challenge has excellent utility, both from the uh, lack of a cooldown on your taunt, which is often really useful, especially for skittish dungeons, um, but also the fact that the boss will run over to you faster um, can sometimes be extremely useful. Yeah, like on Guarm, when you don't tell your raid you're going to taunt during charge and it just kills everyone. Oh, no, nah, don't do that. We had or, a... or on Triliax, where if you taunt it during Annihilation... It spins uh, faster. It bugs. No, it doesn't spin faster. <laughs> oh? It stops spinning, but the beam will actually keep going without oh, no, an animation. Don't, and kill don't. I didn't Ooh. even know that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah don't. We... We did the we did the Guarm thing with a, a, a Mistweaver on progression. I was like, you should totally taunt him when he runs because he he ends the run faster. But then the ticks happened even faster and it killed us. Don't yep. do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Now you probably can heal through it, but on progression back, mm But yeah, uh, crackling thunder is good for dungeons or when you need to pick up ads. Um, bounding stride if you need extra mobility. Like bounding stride is really good on Odin. You know, get away from spears. Um, yeah, overall, I think Warlord's Challenge is generally the best option in that tier. Yeah, 90s? so, um, oh. yeah, if we move on to the level 90 talents, so realistically, you have two options. Well, you have three options. Uh, so, Into the Fray, let's start with that. Uh, Into the Fray is essentially a weak talent um, compared to the other options in all circumstances. One of the others is always better than Into the Fray. Um, it gives you haste, it gives you more haste the more haste you have, which it doesn't actually say, but that is how it works. Um, and it gives you more haste the more enemies are there up to five. It's just not very good, either for DPS or for survivability compared to the other talents. Um, so if you're using Devastator, which as, as we discussed earlier, we generally recommend that you use, Vengeance is basically necessary for survivability because it allows you to cast uh, Revenge uh, for effectively free because the cost of revenge goes into reducing the cost of ignore pain. Right. Um, you can't you can't just not cast revenge if you do that and you've got devastator. Please just delete your character. Like, <laughs> wow. Actually, put, just put some thought into what you're doing for God's sake. Like some of the MMO <laughs> champion. I'm sorry, but like some of the MMO champion posts I've seen recently just blow my mind. You, mm-hmm. If you've got like three main buttons, you can't just not press one of them. Um, so for survivability uh, with devastator, you basically have to take vengeance. Sure. Um, that's not necessarily the case with uh, indo- if you have Indomitable. Um, if you have Indomitable, Vengeance is still usually the best, but on a fight like Star Augur, where you don't get the revenge procs from parrying because you're not parrying anything, um, Booming Voice may be a better talent. Um, however, with Devastator, you certainly always want to go with Vengeance for survivability. Uh, and Booming Voice is clearly the strongest for damage done. Um, in all circumstances, it's just extremely good. Oh, right. You, you couple Warcry and Demoralizing Shout into Avatar and popped your shield just yeah. like, blah, yep. blah. The one million plus Prot Warrior burst damage, then it just like, it's good for like eight seconds, then it just disappears. <laughs> but it's it's strong, though. It's definitely, it's definitely bursty. Fair enough. 
And then how oh, did we? Hmm? Sorry, did we talk about um, the level forty-five choices with Vengeance and Booming Voice? Well, go for it. Go, to... go for it now. I mean, I was going to bring okay, up yeah, hundreds, sure. but yeah. Um, so basically, if you're taking Vengeance, you should run Renewed Fury because you're going to be casting Ignore Pain a lot due to just having to rotate between Revenge and Ignore Pain with Vengeance. So Renewed Fury is going to be best with that. If you're taking Booming Voice, you want to line up Booming Voice, Avatar, and Battle Cry, and that makes Avatar, you know, the better DPS choice with that talent selected. So yeah, yeah. you basically and, always and have again, to take one that's... with the other. Yeah, and again, that's the talent. So you'd use one of them if you needed survivability in general, and you'd use the other if you needed DPS in general. Yep. Or if you didn't need survivability. I guess here's here's the question from like a DPS standpoint then too. Like, in what order do you pop these abilities? I assume you avatar then. No difference. Well, I mean, well, there's there are very f small windows of time. Battlecry lasts five seconds, for example, and Demoralized Chat lasts eight, but Avatar lasts what twenty? So. That, that makes no, no. He's saying like, do you want to pop? You're basically asking if you want to pop them together, right? Right. Well, you or, can't. They're or, not like, all how you line the global cooldown or whatever. Yeah, how they line right. up. So people. Are so you'd want to base. You'd want to line everything they, up they with Battle all... Cry, because. No, no. Hang on. They are all off the global cooldown. Oh yeah, they are. They're not on. None of them are on the GCD. You'd use really? all of them at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Demo shout. Avatar and Battle Cry are off the global. Yes. Yeah. Holy crap! I didn't. Okay, so I didn't know. <laughs> Make sure everyone knows that. Okay, so you can actually just macro them together if yes. you wanted to, but. But no, you did bring up a good point where you do want to line. Generally, want to line everything up with Battlecry because Battlecry effectively just doubles your damage. Sure. Um, for that duration, so you know, double your damage, then put your other you know damage increases on top of that, and that's a lot of damage. So yeah, just use everything with Battlecry. Right. Well, that's fair enough. Well, I, I bring it up because of. Like for the main example of here is lining it up with Naltharian's Fury, which only channels for three seconds, but you want to make sure you're in that three seconds, you you Naltharian's Fury in the battle cry window, because then that's some juicy damage. So um, actually, well, actually Naltharian's Fury doesn't do no? that much damage. You'd be better off just shield cast, slamming? Yeah, like you'd wait until shield slams off cooldown, pop everything, and then try to get as many shield slams inside that window as you can. Okay. That'll be, generally be more damage than Naltharian's Fury. Just making sure. I mean, I mean, this is these are all little things that people might want to know. All right, cool. How about anything to go on one hundreds? So just uh, to get Ravager out of the way, it's <laughs> basically Aww. it's like Ravager and never surrenders. Don't take them. Um, you, there's really no situations where you'd take Ravager over the other two options. Um, you know, if it's you were better tanking, than not having a talent. I mean, yeah, well, it has that going for it. Wow. Like it would Ravager would be good for. DPS if you could do massive massive pulls like the first if you rounded up everything in, in mob souls you know in that first pull when you can pull everything to the boss I, not even that I don't think would be enough to make ravager worth taking Aww. and like and for survivability purposes you'd almost always be better off with heavy repercussions just because the smoothing aspect right you like it was the sort of the same thing with parry how we we're talking about parry before where if you get unlucky you don't parry four attacks and all you're just dead and with heavy repercussions and shield block you're just blocking and that's you know it's guaranteed so right it's just yeah ravager is not worth taking um anger management is really really good on fights like croesus and star auger where you need those cooldowns and there's you know and magic the damage blocking is significantly lower yeah yeah like croesus you know the vast majority of, majority of the damage you're taking is magic damage which is unblockable um which makes 
you know, having those extra cooldowns really, really good, especially to soak all those slams. Um, so I guess sort of to, to break that down more, heavy, take heavy repercussions if there's a lot of blockable damage and you need to have shield block up all the time. Mm -hmm. Tank, take anger, anger management if you need more cooldowns. Yep, no, that makes that makes total sense because they both. And this is the thing we always brought up back in. In I remember the most egregious part of this for Protection Warrior, as my brain flashes back, was mostly I think was it it had to have been Mop, where like every talent, because it's the first time we had the new talent rework for Prot Warriors was all like everything was a damage talent. There was like one row of survivability talents, so it's much better now that you have like a weaving of them, because not only does anger management give you last stand shield wall demoralizing shout, but you also get battle cry. That heavy repercussions gives you more damage when you're blocking on shield slam. So uh, they weave that together finally, opposed to like, well, how do you spec your prot warrior? Well, how much damage do you want to do? That's how <laughs> it used to be. Yeah, so, I it's, think it's definitely made the choices more interesting this time around. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, another thing I want to mention is that with heavy repercussions, um, it's I think overall it's better for damage done um, than anger management. And that also depends on what other talents you take. So if you were taking like booming voice, for example, you probably want to take anger management, get more demo shouts and more of that you know, damage buff. But yeah, I, I mean, without um, if you don't have booming voice, then heavy repercussions is certainly the strongest talent uh, for single target and probably okay. for a small number of targets. If you do have booming voice, then heavy repercussions is probably still the best on single target. We're not really sure right now, unfortunately. They're certainly going to be very close to each other either way. Um, I think it might depend on the amount of damage you're taking. The more damage you're taking, the better anger management is. Um, but probably still heavy repercussions for single target DPS. Uh, but with booming voice, then on AOE, anger management is a clear winner. Um, so in like Mythic Plus, if you were doing Mythic Plus and you didn't care about your survivability, you'd go with Avatar, Booming Voice, Anger Management, and uh, you'd have all your cooldowns up for every pack and do loads of DPS. Sounds good. Yep. I guess just to make one quick final point about this um, tier is before 715, you'd basically always run Heavy Repercussions, and with the buffs Anger Management, um, it's significantly improved the strength and the of that to talent. Heavy repercussions. Yeah, and they nerf Heavy Repercussions. So like choosing you have, you have an actual choice now in that tier between anger management yeah. and repercussions. So there are some bosses where you might decide that you would want to consider using anger management, even if um, a talent seems like the obvious best one. So for example, for Spellblade Luriel, um, I'm of the opinion that heavy repercussions is always going to be the best for survivability on in Spellblade Luriel. Um, however, if you're having difficulty with the Annihilates, like a certain other member of this chat was, then you might <laughs> consider using anger management and uh, having demo shout out more frequently. Um, yeah, yeah I think that heavy repercussions is still the best option for that fight. In my opinion on Spellblade, I would recommend anger management. You will take less damage overall with heavy repercussions, but mm. the thing that will, the dangerous thing in that fight is the annihilates, and having more cooldowns for those annihilates makes the fight easier, in my opinion. But your mileage may vary, so just try out both and see which one works better for you. And right. frankly, if you're struggling to survive um, with Annihilates on Spellblade, you can always have a DPS taunt, get the debuff, and then uh, you taunt back. And then that makes that quite trivial. That's true, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there there are some... I haven't done Spellblade on Mythic yet to figure out the, the nonsense, but that's... 
does the debuff for Annihilate only apply when she starts casting it, and that's why you can taunt her and then taunt back? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, she starts the cast. You know, once that cast ends, it applies the, the debuff, and then she starts to channel. No. Yep. Oh, yes. Yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I and mean, it's the debuff is what makes you take more damage from the falling ability, but if you put that on your Fury Warrior, and then your Prot Warrior taunts back, there's no debuff on the tank. Right, yep. Yeah, good job, Blizzard, on that one. Good good job. <laughs> it's almost like she should have put a debuff on you as it was channeling, uh, instead of uh, cast, I mean, whatever. Yeah, Just little things well. to min-max, so, okay. Uh, let's go over... Um, hmm? So there's a couple of things that we wanted to talk about, uh, and that seems like a good place to do it. So the artifact ability, many people like oh, Maroc, yeah, I, was, uh, I was bringing the artifact up right it. now. Um, yeah. Many people like Maroc don't ever use it, and uh, it's actually... Wow. <laughs> it's yes, actually, I do. Uh, Come on. <laughs> very, very useful in uh, certain situations. So one of those is uh, where it's usually quite obvious. So if you've got significant damage coming from blockable abilities, and the most obvious example of that is Annihilation on Spellblade Luriel, or the Ice Comets on Star Augur are blockable, even though the other ones aren't, I don't know why. Um, those are blockable, and that means that you can guarantee a critical block on them with Nalfarian's Fury. Um, but it's not only useful in those situations, it's also really useful as a filler for when you have shield block down, because, and you're just taking melee hits, because uh, it, it has the same effect as shield block, it guarantees that your, all your blocks will be, uh, all, your, all your melee hits will be blocks, um, it also makes them critical blocks. So it's really good defensively for uh, filling in gaps in shield block. Yep, I just want to say that I hate Naltharian's Fury. I think it's the worst ability ever made, and wow. I hope it dies. Wow! Uh, I, in I contrast, am totally fine with it. I think it's perfectly alright. The only thing I don't like is that you can't move while channeling it, and that is quite irritating. So I brought up on screen, here is the, the updated like leveling path. Those of you that, that obviously have your Scales of the Earth Warder are already leveled up, but for those of you that don't, that want to play a Protection Warrior, here's a little bit of a, a update, and I think you'll you'll probably have this by the time that this show is up on YouTube and whatnot. This will be pinned as an updated version. You said it changed a little bit, but just to make sure chat sees this, and then... Yeah, one and two changed. Previously, you'd go for Dragon Scales first, but they nerfed Dragon Scales, and they nerfed IP, so Scales of the Earth is definitely the better choice um, and sure. there's also the damage component of Skills of the Earth, which makes it really good, you know, when you're running dungeons early on and things mm -hmm. like that. Right, that's fair. Well, and it's worth noting that... Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. It's worth noting that this path is for maximizing survivability and not damage. So, like, you wouldn't take the stamina trait forth. You'd take, like, the revenge trait forth instead if you wanted to go for damage. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But looking at the, the PTR on the forward... Is that this is not totally updated yet on WoW DB, but this is what your scale of the Earth Warder looks like now. And again, the artifact power in the left corner chat is not updated, but we are going to going from 54 traits to 71 possible traits in the future. Again, not totally updated, but you do get your new traits on this side. Your current new golden perk is under construction. Check back soon, which is probably the best I've ever seen. It's really, really strong. <laughs> And uh, all these three of threes here, all these three of three traits go to four of four. So, like, you have your new Bastion of the Aspects, which gives you, um, uh, increases damage prevented by shield block by 8%, which, this is a four of four trait. All the three of threes on the base weapon can also be moved to four of four with the new trait system. There are 71 in total. I do believe it's the new max cap from 54 is 71, but... 
again, the artifact power, this is not actually correct. The new artifact power we need to complete your weapon, if you want to factor in the new nonsense of another Paragon trait, is, I do believe, 4.03 billion artifact power, with a B, because, you know, math. And the new max artifact knowledge level that's happening in the patch has been looked at to be 400,000% more artifact power from abilities, but, it, I mean, uh, from a like artifact tokens and whatnot, but we'll see as the PTR moves forward. But the Paragon trait goes to a one point, right? Like right now, our current one goes to 20. But the new one does go to a one pointer. I'm just putting 71 in here just so you can see the 71 is the new number. Damn it, the stupid art relic thing. And then you get the new Golden Circle, which is the protection of the Valajar, where you gain back almost everything from your old Paragon. Uh, and a little bit, a little bit more. Because I think you are, all tanks are gaining a slight boost. Because the current, like, the current Paragon only gives you 29% armor. But you keep the 10%. Yeah. And then you gain the 10% here. So you actually lose some armor, but you're gaining stamina or something? Like, how is this, what have you guys figured out? I, I'm PC? sure it's Blizzard's intention that you don't get weaker when the new patch comes out. So, sure. um, I, I'm sure they'll uh, do their best to make sure that doesn't happen. Right, because it is technically on the PTR now, you do lose armor, which... Yeah, I think that'll definitely be fixed. That seems yeah really weird, I guess, to to lose that. But I, I wish we could talk about your artifact more. We don't know what your new golden trait is. Is there anything you wanted to, to, to note upon Revengeance or uh, the Bastion of the Aspects before we move on to just looking at some items and then closing out? What are you... Anything on these? There's kind of... Hmm. I, I just hope that Neltharian's Thunder, whatever it is, it, it makes Neltharian's Fury not awful to use. That's that's my wish for for the next patch. But um, I hope that Neltharian's Fury stays the same way, just because <laughs> Maroc doesn't like it for no other wow. reason. Like that's the same. Wow. Because you guys don't. Be, know, oh, go ahead. No, it's gonna. I was just gonna say it's gonna be interesting to see how Bastion of the Aspects works exactly, because we don't know if it's additive or multiplicative. Um, you know, for that it increased to. Shield block, because um, if it's additive, you know, it's going to be a really, really strong trait. Right. So, but we'll see. Yeah, it's definitely hard to tell, because these, these aren't available to test. Like, there's only right. a test on the PTR. So, and then Revengeance is just that Revenge increases the damage of Revenge by 50%. So the procs of Revenge just do more damage. So it's just a damage yes. increase. Which is a, a substantial damage increase. I mean, 50% damage is, is not a small bonus, at least right now. But we'll see if that... Yeah, that's going to be really, really good in dungeons. Just because of the frequency you get yeah. um, revenge procs, you're just going to be doing insane damage. Okie dokie. I mean, they're going to have to tune that. So, oh, yeah. 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 So this this last little bit here is why it's the very last little end bit. I don't know if these are incredibly demonstrative to talk about here. It's the trinkets and legendaries, which we can kind of like fly through here in a minute. I'm looking at, I have Icy Veins brought up to hover over these, but I don't see all your legendaries posted. So again, that's why the, the Icy Veins one for this is not completely updated yet, sadly. But are there any legendaries or trinkets? Let's do sure. legendaries first that are super, super high value. Um, bracers so the and gloves. Bracers are easily, so the bracers are easily the strongest for survivability uh, by a huge margin. They're ridiculously good um frankly i think it's very silly that they're so good and they're an item that you know you can't reliably get right. uh, but they're great if you have them you should certainly use them for survivability purposes 
the gloves are extremely strong for both survivability and for damage um, because they make you get more rage and they make you do a lot more damage. And I mean, there's, that's what there is to it. They're just really good. Um, the tank trinket is deceptively strong for damage because it's like nearly 3000 strength when it's 940 item level. And on top of that, the on use is really powerful, especially on single target. Um, similarly, the DPS trinket is obviously really good for DPS, although not as good as the tank trinket on single target. Um, I may be wrong, but I think the tank trinkets on use can crit, in which case you can pair it with battle cry, unlike the um, DPS trinket, which is already guaranteed to be a crit. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's a good question. I have no idea. I think it can. Just talk about the build for a second. The build used before 715 wasn't that great. It was okay in dungeons when you could thunderclap a lot of ads, but um, it was essentially indirectly buffed with 715 because you're casting thunderclap single target now. Mm. And, you know, if you pair the belt with anger management, you can have incredibly high uptime on demo, demo shout. It's like, Which is particularly good for DPS in dungeons if you're using anger management and booming voice and avatar like we discussed earlier. Yeah. So and belt it also is, benefit. Sorry. No, so the belt is just like, a, compared to before, a very good legendary. It, it's, it seems very rounded. The, yeah. Particularly because of the anger management buff uh, now taking into account demo shout where it didn't before 715. That's also indirectly buffing the belt. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it, it, it also feels like it's very obviously using demo, Demoralizing Shout more often is making that the enemies deal 20% less damage to you for 8 seconds. But then, yeah, if you have Anger Management and Booming Voice and the Belts, then you get even more Demo Shout uptime all the time. That seems pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, something about the Legendary Ring, the walls fell. Um, right. so often you see people saying, oh, should I take Anger Management because it makes my shield wall cooldown really low? Uh, the answer is no. Um, having the ring or not having the ring does not affect whether or not you should take anger management. There are situations where you should take anger management. We described them earlier, and those situations remain the same whether or not you have the uh, ring. Uh, oh. Someone in Twitch chat just pointed out that demo shout is 12 seconds, not eight, if you have one of the artifact traits, and that is correct. Well, that's true. Yeah, I'm not. I'm looking at the base tooltip. You're totally right, though. Yeah, yeah you're right because you get the the demo shout increased duration so which is right over here yeah rumbling voice which increases the duration and radius of demo shot by 50 percent yeah for sure so that gives you four more seconds absolutely yeah in terms of just the ring's strength it's it's okay like if if you have it you shouldn't feel bad i guess but there are better ones i mean the the walls fell makes it almost like you would not take anything other than devastator though because you want shield slam to reset as much often as you want like all the time right yeah but, yeah that would but realistically the point is that um devastator is already a good choice sure, and honestly sure, sure. um it doesn't affect your talent choices it's just not not impactful enough to affect uh whether or not you should take devastator indomitable or whether or not you should take anger management or heavy repercussions how about any any anything else Mark? i was gonna bring up trinkets um in terms of like all the other legendaries are just whatever i'm pride as after the change is decent now. Um, yeah. The chest is not that great. Um, what else? That's kind of it. And yeah, main, main things you want are gloves and wrists. So you okay. can talk about trinkets now. Yeah, I mean, there's there are trinkets that are up 
on icy veins, but they're not all all the newer ones. I don't know if there's anything you want to just to denote upon like super hierarchy of like if you can get this trinket, then get this trinket. If there's anything off the top of your head that's really important to denote. Darkwing deck immortality. Yeah, Darkwing deck is really really good. Um, Arcana Crystal. Uh, what else is there? That's really like Darkwing deck immortality is easily the strongest trinket for survivability. In eight out of ten fights in Nighthold, the only ones where I uh, would recommend trying to find an alternative are Croesus and uh, Star Augur. And honestly, it's not that bad on Croesus. It's not good, but it's not awful because it still reduces the damage of Slam uh, and his melee hits. So, um, yeah, it's easily the strongest trinket for physical damage, which means it's easily the strongest trinket on eight out of ten fights, even though those fights have notable magic damage components. Okay. Um, I do have a trinket guide, which is linked in the Warrior Discord in the pins, if people are interested in reading that. I just put it in Twitch chat. So awesome, yeah. And that'll be, that. in the, that'll be in the YouTube description box below as well, too. I'll, I'll rally that stuff all up. It'll be a nice bitly sure. link, though, because that's a huge Google document post, but yeah. So, yeah, okay. there's a shorter link for it. So yeah, that's why I didn't want to, like, drag on about trinkets too long, because we are definitely at time, but that's a really good resource go check that out if you are curious about because uh, trinkets are just weird in this expansion they're a so many b even more because mythic plus brings dungeon trinkets to stay relevant for a long time and c there are very diminutive bonuses on lots of them all over the place like at least for dps like it's so obnoxious to find out that they're all kind of like, whatever the higher eye level is, it's the better one. No, okay. But then, what if it's right. five and eye levels tanking, different? It's uh, very much the other way around, and the item right, level sure. barely matters because um, often, well, Blizzard has no idea what they're doing, or at least they <laughs> aren't, aren't doing it, uh, with respect to um, item level and trinkets, and some trinkets are just clearly ridiculously overpowered compared to others, and that will be the case even if the other trinket is significantly higher item level. Um, so you have time walking trinkets which are really strong for physical damage right. and they're item level 815 and they're still far stronger than many other trinkets at 892 or something. Right. Well yeah, so we can do final closing thoughts on Prot Warriors and you brought up that you want to talk about the whole the Nighthold stuff about expel reflection and things about warriors right. in, in Nighthold. So there are any these are this is like, you know, this is tip secrets and suggestion kind of section. So what do you what do you got? What do you got? Is this, is this Marco? Mark, or, is, or, or um, Mark. Oh, okay. So yeah, sure, I'll talk about it. Um, so Spell Reflect uh, with Legion, they added 30% magic damage um, reduction onto it, which you know makes it much more useful than it was previously, where it was literally just reflected spells. Um, but the Spell Reflection component is still there, and that can be really useful in certain situations. So, for example, in Neltharian's Lair, uh, you can Spell Reflect Sunder on the second boss, right? and Spell Reflect the Molten, I think it's called Molten Crash on the last boss, um, and just take literally no damage from that. So, yeah, Spell Reflection has can be really, really useful, um, and you just want to be using it anyway for the magic damage DR. So, like on Krosis, when you get to high stacks, just pop that and you'll take 30% less damage from the dot. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Warriors and Nighthold in general because there's definitely a prevailing attitude that Warriors, because they're weak to spell damage, apparently, uh, that means that they're not good in Nighthold because Nighthold is all magic. Um, so, firstly, 
it's not the case that Nighthold is all magic. There are two fights where there's more magic than physical damage in terms of relevant damage. Right. That is Croesus and Star Augur. Um, there are plenty of other fights where there's uh, legitimate uh, concerns in terms of spell, heavy spell damage, mm -hmm. but warriors deal with them fine uh, because firstly they have spell reflection, uh, which works very well for magic damage. They have demo shout, last stand, and shield wall, all of which work very well for magic damage. They have external cooldowns, all of which work very well for magic damage. And if you're <laughs> not using them, that is your fault. Use them, um, or your raid leader's fault anyway. And lastly, they have Ignore Pain, and Ignore Pain works for magic damage, and you can't just ignore that. And whilst it's true that it's often not enough on its own, that doesn't mean it doesn't work. And people really ignore that. They say, well, you know, warriors just mitigate physical damage. Well, that's not true. And whilst it's true that maybe warriors could use a buff in terms of dealing with certain fights, they're not very good on Croesus, they're not very good on Starwalker, that doesn't mean they're awful, it just means they're not necessarily the best option. And sure. you will do fine on those fights, especially in non-mythic, if you try hard. And maybe that means demanding of you more than it ought to demand of you, but you can mm -hmm. still do it if you play the class well. Yeah, no, there's definitely... I, I think a lot of it mostly comes down to the, the prevalent notion of that Stagger and Brewmasters are just, like, good at everything right now, and Guardian Druids, in the same vein, take very, very, very little physical damage on the most part because of how ridiculously powerful Ironfur is and how you can keep up two stacks for almost forever and they have more HP so that's the problem I mean, we see that from the top guilds which I'll talk about this on the show next week with Exorcist I'm sure is that because Alviona the GM of Exorcist played Prot Warrior for Nightmare and TOV but then hmm he's not anymore I wonder why there's something there but that's obviously the world first race, which is very different than most other people's progression. So, but there, there is something to be taken care of in that. I think a lot of it comes down to, too, is that certain tanks in Legion, which we kind of brushed over earlier, certain tanks in Legion now definitely excel better depending on what healers you have in your group. Like, a Brewmaster Monk would love Hots to counteract Stagger. So, Restoration Druid, Misweaver Monk, right? Lots of heals over time, counteract Stagger. Whereas other tanks are just different in how they take damage and different healers heal that differently. So, Yeah, but. that's true to a certain extent. Like, Holy Paladins are really good for warriors just for the burst right. healing. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's just catch up with the chat. Yeah, all but a prop warrior on Gul'dan. Yeah. Well, we're talking about the, like, the world first race here. It's different, but we'll go over that. That's that's a topic for next week, but is there? It's just a misnomer. I think it's a it's a it's a misunderstanding probably, because whenever the trickle down information comes from those top guilds and those world first kills, we see what WoW progress says and like, oh, they're not using X and Y and Z tanks. Why is that? But but they also had uh, several examples of classes where they had multiple of the same spec oh, and there were ma many specs that they didn't have and that doesn't mean that those specs aren't viable even if they're in the lower half of specs uh, for dps on that kind of encounter or in general yeah yeah um the fact you know if they bring i don't know three arms warriors or something or three fury warriors whatever uh, that doesn't mean that um other classes are not good it just means that they're not as good and it's true that For, warriors yeah. are not as good at dealing with magic damage than guardian druids. I think we can probably say that that's the case. 
But that doesn't mean they're not good enough to do Nighthold. No, of course not. Yep. It just depends. Uh, the, this is just a thing that the community sees that if X and Y and Z, these top guilds do it, then they have to also as well, which is just not true. They are, they fight the patch and in a way the flavor of the week on what is the strongest they have at their disposal to tackle the encounters that are most of the time. I mean, we've seen Star Augur has gotten a little bit tweaked in damage. Spellblade got tweaked in damage, right? Like there have been these things that they're like, oh, well, it's a little too hard maybe, but the top guilds have to push through that with what they have available to them. So with all their splits and whatnot, they have to put eggs in all of like the Havoc, Demon Hunter, Fury Warrior basket for DPS, for example, or it used to be the Shadow Priest basket, but they're still fine. But it, it's just, it's just different. But I think, I think that'll do it. Normally we would have some time for Twitch chat, but we've kind of weaved in Twitch chat the whole show. So unless you guys have anything else that's super on the nose you wanted to bring up, I think it's wrap time. You both good? I see you crossing um, off stuff on your list. Yeah. I think I think we talked about basically everything we want to talk about. So yeah. All right, then it's time for me to hit this button. Oh, there's the audio pop. Why was that there? No. <laughs> well, thank you all very much for tuning into episode number one hundred and twenty-eight of Final Boss TV for Legion Protection Warriors. Again, next week will be the Exorcist show. More details on the guests for that show, and of course the World First shirt. That will be coming out as well. So just like I like making them going forward to sort of like timestamps those parts in our little timeline. That's why we have the ones going forward. But again, around the corner for the guests, there's Macro. You can go bother him on Discord at Macro Law. Is it is it Macrologia? Right? Yeah. Yeah. You probably say it better than I do. Give give the chat. How do you say it? Macrologia. There you go. Fair enough. You can go bother him on Discord. And uh, as a note, I always make sure, like, if I'm going to plug Discord, please be respectful of the time of these people. Don't just bother them all the time. Check the pins, check the FAQ section, check the guide posts. But if you can't find anything, then make sure to ask uh, Macro about what kind of cupcakes he likes, right? <laughs> yeah, Macro loves his cupcakes. I do like cupcakes. In fact, uh, <laughs> someone, one of the officers in our guild, is, uh, his nickname is Cupcake. So, yeah. Fair enough. But thank you for all the time, sir. The knowledge bombs you dropped were great. I appreciate all of your time on the show today. And there's Maroc. You can follow him and go watch him on his live streams at X Maroc, because he is a 14-year-old girl, apparently. <laughs> Maroc was taken. Sorry. Couldn't, couldn't think of anything else. That's totally fine. At least it's not like capital X, lowercase X, Maroc, capital lowercase, or whatever. It's fine. It's, it's not an Xbox gamer tag, don't worry. Right, yeah. right. But thank you very much for your your time and knowledge on the show today as well, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yep, thanks for having me. Uh, if anyone wants to you know, have a place to talk about warrior-related stuff, you can go to the Warrior Discord, discord.gg slash skyhold. Um, I want to give a shout-out to my... Uh, my, the hunter in my guild, BMG, you suck. Wow. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Had fun. Yeah, and again as well, the link to the Skyhold is right there in the channel guide. You can click right here. I have a, a Final Boss TV link as well too, but that's always for all the different discords. So you can go grab that if you need a link. But Discord.gg slash Skyhold. Yeah, that also works too. You have a vanity link. Yeah. Yeah, we got partnered we about yeah. a week ago pretty cool yeah. that's 
Very, very good. Well, thank you very much to the guests on the show today. Again, next week will be Exorcist. Not sure who's on that show specifically yet. And the, the Sunday or two after that will be the sit-down with the, the the brilliant minds editing storytelling behind the... Uh, oh, my God. The Lost Codex YouTube website, YouTube site, YouTube group. There's only two of them that do everything for The Lost Codex. And we're going to talk to them, a little community spotlight, and then we'll go from there. I'm, I'm going to be putting up a poll on Twitter to vote. You can vote on the next specs in order. So whatever wins, like, first, second, third, fourth, it'll be that order of specs. So go check that out. I'll have that on Twitter later. It'll be in the video description box below if you're watching this on YouTube. As well, if you missed the live show, of course, you can watch this on YouTube as an entire VOD. It'll be cut. It'll be posted. And then we're also, fo you can find us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Radio, Google Play Music, as an audio only. And if you want more podcasts and more Warrior discussion, then maybe be sure to check out the BTS Patreon-only podcast on Patreon. But I will see you all next week. Trust in your your seal of artifact power, as it's about all it's good for nowadays. And until next week, everybody. <gasps> Bye! See ya. Wave bye. Wave bye at the nice people. Wait. I would wave, but no one can see me. Uh, that's true. No one can see me. <laughs>